lying in the tall grass. Wish I had a pilot and a podcast. Wish I had a strong donkey that can haul ass and travel with portable speakers playing bars, skags. Wish I had a million dollars. Wish I had a million albums. Wish I had a million problems. That way I couldn't pinpoint all one million outcomes. I wish I found a genie lamp. I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beanie Man. Yeah. I wish I was a comedian. Late night sitcom syndicated on TV land. I wish this well had water in it. These kids are stealing all my pennies. Focused on my wealth. You can help me wish, but I would rather wish for help. It's like, it's like, I wish, I wish. And every time we love and it feels just like this. I wish, I wish. And every time we do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish. And every time we love and it feels just like this. It feels just like this. It feels and welcome to another episode of The Debrief. I'm your host, Brianna Joy Gray, and we are here today to talk about whatever's on your mind. But as always, we can be prompted by today's episode of Bad Faith Podcast, in which I had the forever pleasure of interviewing Professor Richard Wolf, Marxist economist extraordinaire, about a number of subjects, including this debt ceiling standoff that is unfolding before us for what feels like the upteenth time, um, as well as a kind of more open-ended philosophical conversation about the future of the left, the question that <laughs> keeps coming up again and again, which is what to do about 2024, the she whose name shall not be spoken, lest it set off a thousand feuds, and all of that, uh, Michigan. So let's get right into it. Jonathan, you're up first, and I know what you're going to say. Okay, hit me with it. Uh, You caught me ordering tacos again? (laughs) Oh, you were literally ordering tacos. I thought when in the chat you said, I'm first, I'm ordering tacos, it was like... Hello? Sorry, at what point did I meet myself? Hello? Uh, I don't know, but uh, I just picked up the tacos. I'm driving back to my place, and uh, yeah, I, uh, sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Do you want me to come back to you, or do you want to go ahead and get into it? Uh, You know what? That's what I was saying. Take D first. Um, It may put me back in the queue. Okay, I'll come back to you, Jonathan, right after D. All right, D, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, Bree, can you hear me? Loud and clear. Yeah, so a couple questions. First of all, I always enjoy uh, Richard Wolf's perspective on the economy um, and kind of how he approaches these things. Um, the couple questions I wanted to ask, I guess, is what are what did you um, – I know you covered, um, I guess, the Bill Maher debate on rising. Um, so my two questions are, one, what do you think is going to happen in terms of 2024, because um, I think I know where the debt selling is going. And then where do you think, uh, the, w- like, did the Vouch debate change your mind about anything? Because I thought that Vouch's points were, I thought they were, like, correct, but they were kind of to the wrong person. Because, like, I may not agree with you on everything, but, like, you consistently cover issues that, you know, Republicans don't cover. You cover Tyree Nick. T- Ty- the Tyree case, 
um, in Memphis, you cover uh, DeSantis and Republicans going after trans people. So I, you know, I thought his criticism was um, correct, but it was just directed at the wrong sorts of people. And that's kind of where I was kind of wondering what your thoughts on the debate were. Well, what criticism do you mean specifically? The, the idea that I am a Republican, which is uh, how he described Jimmy Dore? No, no, no. I thought, no, what I said was I thought his criticisms were correct, but of the wrong part. Like, you're not like. No, you're no, not that's what person. I mean. So what, what criticisms were correct, but why were, what, what, what are we talking about specifically? Yeah, I, I, I thought that he, um, like when he talked about the force to vote um, part um, and some of that not being motivated by people who genuinely care about Medicare for all, I, I think that's, I think that's true. Um, you know, and I think that some of the people who, um, like pushed it, like, I know you at one point said that Jimmy Dore pushes for Medicare for all. Um, and he kind of pushed back on that. So like, I don't think, I don't think Jimmy's someone who actually cares about Medicare for all, but I think you're someone who cares about, um, Medicare for all and advancing that cause. But I don't think Jimmy Dore actually gives a shit. He's not someone who cares about Medicare for all. Well, first I'd say that I don't know that it matters at all. Um, if Jimmy Dore woke up tomorrow and there was some huge financial incentive for him to, let's say, advocate for a $30 minimum wage and he was doing very strong advocacy for a $30 minimum wage, I truly can't imagine why I would complain about it. Um, as long as he's making a persuasive case and galvanizing people and keeping attention on an issue that nobody else is talking about. I truly don't know why I would start to play armchair psychologist to try to figure out if deep in his soul, he really actually cares about it, whatever that means. Because I also do just happen to believe that Jimmy Dore cares about Medicare for all. He's talked a lot about his personal story of having a pretty severe back injury at a time in his life when he wasn't as financially stable and like most people in the country, this country who care about health care reform, I mean, it's hard to find a person in this country who doesn't care about health care reform, yeah. even if they don't specifically endorse the policy of Medicare for all, because anyone who's had an interaction with a health care system knows how cruel it is and therefore knows that something needs to be changed. So I really don't understand well, why, I, if I almost everyone cares about this, why people would imagine because, that Jimmy Dore... Is like well, the one American the, who doesn't care about. Well, I don't. I just don't think the thing is is honest. I mean, like he's he's you know he's he's. I think Medicare for all for I think what Vouch is getting at is that Medicare for all is a cudgel where that people hit, um, um, like people with for not supporting it enough. But if you're supporting Medicare for all and then you're supporting actively praising politicians who want to take away everybody's health care, that doesn't really square with me. Well, who does Jimmy actively, actively um, praise? And, not, and I'm talking about the politician, not something that the politician has said. Right? There's a difference between Thomas, saying that a politician just, is right on an issue. Matt, he said Thomas Massey is one of the best politicians in America. And Thomas Massey is the most libertarian politician in America. I don't, I don't really know who that is, to be honest. Thomas Massey is like um, a libertarian voted against, um, he's voting against like the anti-lynchy bill. He's like one of the farthest right libertarians. And and to me, again, like if you're, if you're, I don't know, if you're, if you're, if you're that don't call that Medicare for all, then you really shouldn't be praising anyone in the other party because none of them. Well, should, which Democrats, if, if you're really into Medicare for all, which Democrats should you be praising? The Democrats that are closest to supporting it. 
oh, I'm sorry, the ones that are closest to supporting it. Do yeah. any actually support it? But I would say the squad is the closest to actually supporting it. So what? how has that support manifested over the course of the last, let's say, two years? They have, it, what does it mean they, for them to I support it? I agree they have public statements and where they ideologically... Which, which public statements? In terms of talking about trying to get Medicare for All implemented. Have they been making public statements about trying to get Medicare for All implemented? I might have missed something, but I they haven't have, seen much. They have, and they just don't have the infrastructure to do it because they don't have, unfortunately... A left, a left base to like. This is where I also agree with Josh. They don't have a left base to get behind them. And in, in did you see? Think... Um, did you see AOC's remarks today on the House floor about Ilhan Omar being um, kicked out of the uh, what is it, Foreign Services Committee or whatever it is? Yeah, I did. So you have heard from AOC. She does have the power to say things. And for them to get a lot of media traction, it's just the Medicare for all. She doesn't seem to be able to get media traction, any media traction and be heard about. Yeah, but they have they have they've supported Medicare for all. And my whole point is, even if they're not woefully, even if they're woefully not like good enough, then why are people to the right of them constantly being praised on these issues? Yeah, but I just want to stay that's, with that's, this point for a second, because it seems to me that if we're living in a world where. It seems almost nobody is actually advocating for Medicare for all. Like I believe that Bernie in his heart really does care for Medicare for all, yeah. but I don't really even hear him saying those words. And again, I could have missed something. Apologies if I missed that, that there was some They've great public statements about Medicare supporting for... it. Maybe they haven't gone far enough. When? When? What public statements? What? What? What's? What's the last time? I'm genuinely asking. I don't. I don't when's the I last time you heard Bernie record, Sanders say anything about Bernie, Medicare for all? Bernie has talked about Medicare for all constantly. I, I, I remember when he used to talk about Medicare for all constantly, but I can't say in good faith that I've heard him say anything about it or seen him tweet about it or seen him write any op-eds about it or anything. And I've heard, I've, I, I did a great hour last talk, week. He's talking, I'm, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you that they haven't pushed for it enough, but. Or, or, the, sir, or, or, or at but, all. I'm really struggling here. Cause look, I've, I've heard from Bernie. I covered, I covered one of his op-eds last week. It was a very, it was a very good op-ed about very important subjects but it wasn't about medicare for all i think it was about maybe prescription drug prices but i guess adjacent i guess my question though is if they are the furthest left people even if they're inadequate if they are the furthest left people why are they the people who constantly take the most heat and how does that help build a coalition because if they like this is my frustration with 2024 is i do not want biden to be the nominee but whoever is the nominee preferably this is, I guess, they would be running in the Democratic Party, would need to have the backing of people. And they wouldn't benefit from someone saying, well, this person's just not good enough. And I'm apathetic to, you know, you know, them and, and apathetic to the concessions they make. And even if they need to be electable, then I don't care about that. Like, I think part, that's part of the problem. Like, it's well, like the, we, the, the answer to your question is this. The reason the people who are, quote unquote, closest to supporting Medicare for all get the most heat is because despite their proximity to maybe being in support of it, they aren't actually doing what they could be doing with their power to support it. And since they're the most likely to actually use what power and authority they have to actually advance this issue, it's incumbent on us to pressure them to do so. But it's also Nobody incumbent- expects Marjorie Taylor Greene or Justin Ahmed, whoever else is libertarian is. Massey 
to support Medicare for all. I mean, I don't know about Massey. Maybe he secretly does. I don't know anything about this person. But, it, you know, no one expects, you know, uh, Lindsey Graham or whatever to support Medicare for all. So that's why nobody's talking about that. It's, they, it would be like me yelling at a bear for not cooking me dinner. But, they, but one, one, I, but one, they do get it. Like I, I, I just have to disagree with you about Jimmy Dore. I mean, this is a man who like has never has like in in the last three years. I have you've talked about not having statements. I haven't seen him say a bad thing about a Republican politician in the last three years. That's interesting. I, like, I have. I have. Absent, both parties are bad. And, and well, with the rest I, of the Medicare for all. I, I've, I, heard, I've heard him roast conservatives on any number of issues. But I also have heard him say a lot. I have heard him specifically advocate for Medicare for all. And I can't say the same. I can't say the same for members of the squad. But he also said things like, but also saying things like the Trump, the Democratic Party is the fascist party, not the Trump Party. Like, that's just that's just that's. Did he me, say that the Trump Party isn't fascist or did he say just the Democratic Party is fascist? He said that. No, he said relational to them. The Democratic Party is the fascist one, not the Trump Party, which is just which if you are on the left, that's just a dumb statement to make. And, and then the other thing with the Medicare for all thing with, with 2024 that I think is important is I, I guess I even if I take your 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 construction of Medicare for all. It's incumbent that the left, because because I I used to be much more in your camp, but I've softened on that because it's incumbent that when this when tough decisions are made, that people support the people who are making the tough decisions. Like Biden withdrew from Afghanistan, and all these people, which was a tough thing, and his approval has not recovered since, and that's partially been his fault. But Afghanistan was a ballsy decision, and all these people who keep telling me they're so anti-war. None of them were like out in full force. I, I actually, I, like, I, I remember the left being very supportive of Joe Biden during the Afghanistan withdrawal, and the left media figures saying like, "Oh, based Biden," and 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 applauding him as the mainstream media attacked him. And my recollection is also that the public approval of that action was very, very high. And I don't know that you can attribute his poll numbers, any negative poll numbers to the decision to withdraw. It seemed the only people who were criticizing him about that had MSNBC contracts or worked at the Pentagon. His, no, his approval rating went down. Um, and, and it was... But public opinion polls were positive on that issue. So I don't know prior, why... His, prior, no, no, prior to the invasion, but after the invasion, they went down. Right, but so if it happened after the invasion, how, is it attributable to the ev- uh, invasion? Or is something else? did something else happen at that it's time? It's attributable, that was I think. August of 2021. Shortly thereafter, Build Back Better fell apart, as I recall, if I recall correctly. So could it be been attributable to that? Well, it's also attributable to the fact that people can say one thing and, and they want one thing and not want another thing. You know, people can say on – people will say, oh, I want to cut spending, but then – you can't cut entitlements. So your so. your contention is that polls show that the American public was supportive of Biden withdrawing from Afghanistan, but they decided they liked they disliked him for withdrawing from Afghanistan in a different poll. I'm saying shortly, if you look at the poll movement, his his poll went down after the withdrawal of Afghanistan. Like if you look at the 538 poll average, right? But like I said, I I remember distinctly it was August 15th, 2001, because it was my birthday and I was supposed to do a mainstream media hit that got canceled because all the news pivoted to Afghanistan. So a lot of things were going on in the summer of 2001. It was fairly early in Biden's presidency. He came in, he passed the American Rescue Plan that was that boosted him in the polls and carried him high for a while. But by the fall of that year, the Build Back Better started to fall apart, if I recall correctly. And we had, you know, 
It was it was all of the bifurcation back and forth um, and a lot of negative media attention heading into the fall until it eventually passed in its fragmented form in what? This November, December, something so like that? So you think it was Build Back Better that people were – you think the average voter is focused more on like Build Back Better falling apart than the Afghanistan withdrawal? I don't know. All I remember very, very distinctly that polls were popular – polls were positive about the decision to withdraw from Afghanistan. So I'm a little flummoxed about why one would attribute any diminishment in his polls after that to that event without any proof that those things are correlated. Because it went – directly down like right after right after the afghanistan withdrawal and his approval and even if you look at approval polls now though and this is another thing that's interesting people consider his people who are blaming for example his people lefties are saying oh well it's because he hasn't passed anything the reason biden's approval is now is because people hate the inflation part more but than I'm, I'm confused can you remind me what this has to do with the left i thought your point was that the left didn't support biden enough when he did good things my recollection is the left very much supported Biden when he did good things. They also were very supportive of him when he finally came around and, and acted for like one week gully about canceling student debt before that got shut down. But the I student, feel like we've, in yeah, fact, we I gave him too much credit over that one. Well, but the student loan debt, again, was something that I thought he deserved credit because it didn't even poll that well. The student loan debt, it polled like 50. Once it was implemented, it pulled like at 50%. Even midterm exit polls, it was like 51%. So I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Biden induced us to go to the polls by promising to cancel student debt. And you're saying that no one should like him when he reneges on that promise? No one should dislike him or criticize him when he reneges on that promise? I guess I, I guess I was right out to vote for him. What'd you See, like you're telling me I'm I, that makes me feel very justified in my my you're telling me that I have an obligation to cheer for Biden, which we did. And you're still blaming us for not doing. You're telling me I have an obligation to vote for Biden, no matter how many promises he reneges on. You're telling me that it's somehow the left's fault, despite doing everything it could possibly do to be supportive when he does something right. That is, the poll numbers are down with Warhawks and neocons who we have nothing to do with. And you're telling me that for some reason. I should be upset at a random podcaster named Jimmy Dore for apparently saying too many complimentary things about conservatives and not reserve my frustration for the members of Congress that we fought for, got elected, paid money to their campaigns, boosted them in interviews, etc. on our platforms. And while they sit around making very grand speeches, very passionate speeches about how the Republicans don't like Ilhan Omar because she's a black woman – Instead of talking about the issues is that true. we sent her to Congress to do, like advocate for Palestinian rights and, of course, push for Medicare for all. Do I? I mean, what what part of that? This D am I? No, I'm not. I'm my my point. My point is that I I think that I think that well, but Jimmy Dore is not just a podcaster. You were talking. I was talking about just the the vague problem with the left and and the fact that so much of the left's focus and. And, and like it's being problematic with the electorate is so much of the less focus is on tearing down other sir, Democrats. Sir, you brought that, up Jimmy Dore. You came into this chat and decided to tear down Jimmy Dore. No one here was talking about Jimmy Dore or thinking about Jimmy Dore until you brought up Jimmy Dore. So if we want to talk about solidarity on the left and not having negativity on the left, I think we can all start by offering each other a little bit of grace and I'm sorry that includes Jimmy Dore. But and if you have a specific so criticism much- about something specific that he said, you should hop in his chat and talk to him about it. But I don't I don't have the encyclopedic knowledge of the words that are coming out of his mouth, nor am I his mother, his sister, his wife, his grandmother, his daughter, or anybody else responsible for him in his life. 
So I'm not really sure what your complaint is with me right now. I, I'm not. No, I wasn't. I'm not complaining about anything you're doing. I was just calling in to talk about the, the debate and what I agreed with and what I disagreed with. I literally said that I thought. So you, you're 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 saying that you agree with Vouch that Jimmy Dore is bad. OK, yes. that's so it's a free country sort of for now. Yeah. And you're completely entitled to that opinion. But the the point of Val Shane that Jimmy Dore is bad was to say that I am going to be against a policy because Jimmy Dore likes it, which I got to say is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. So if you want to live your life saying that anything that anybody else likes, I'm going to reflexively dislike. God bless, because there's a lot of diversity of opinion out there. And some there's some pretty shitty people who like some pretty base normal things like blue skies and sunshine, chocolate chip cookies and deep dish pizza. But that's how people, but by the way, that's how people, by the way, um, assess criticism, by the way, based on who is making the criticism. And every no, other no. That I'm is sorry. how people make criticism. Small, small thinkers do that. That is how Small brained. I'm sorry, sir. Nobody, nobody is walking through the world that way. You can make, that's if you have two seconds, if you do. have two seconds to make a judgment, if you, if you were, if you were like in a clothing store and you have to make a snap decision, you know, a bullet train's about to speed off on, off a cliff and you have to make a snap decision and you have to trust the engineer or the line chef. Okay. Go with the engineer. You're on a train. He's going to be the expert, but, or she, or she's going to be the expert. But other than that, if I, I, I might see someone I like tweet something and credit it a little bit more, or credit it a little bit less, but then at some point. If you have more than five minutes of free time in your life, it's incumbent on you to make your own decision as an adult. And there were, you know, you know who liked to force the vote, who you're disrespecting by saying you're going to ignore it because Jimmy Dore liked it. Cornell West, Chris Hedges, Richard Wolf, Crystal Ball, Kyle Kalinsky, Justin Jackson. Yes. Yeah. Those are all people that that. Yeah, I agree with. Those are all people I agree with. And and by the way, for you saying that you don't agree that people make assessments, if someone criticized you, Bree, and said, I don't like, I don't think you're a, you're an actual socialist. Let's just say someone did that. I don't think you're an actual socialist because I have a problem with you using um, big tech platforms like YouTube and Twitter for your podcast. You, The first thing you would say is, well, wait a minute, don't you use those platforms as well? So you would look at what they're using. You know, See, that, first of all, that analogy doesn't that is doesn't a track good that the, the, the analogy would be if they if someone else had an opinion, you're saying that I should judge an opinion based on who it's from, not whether or not they are hypocritically doing the same thing that I am doing. So that the analogy doesn't track. Moreover, the first thing I would say to someone who says, I don't think you're a real socialist because you're using those platforms is that I would just mute them because who the hell would engage in that level of discourse? Who cares? OK. Who's what? <laughs> come on, come on, look, look, D. It, I don't know what Jimmy Dore did to all of you people. I don't know <laughs> if he, you know, secretly had an affair with y'all's mothers. No, with, with your, no, I don't know he, how this man hurt you. Someone, he's a guy, but he's just someone, <laughs> he's someone that people, he's someone that people have, people in the movement have the right to criticize someone who they see Okay, go as, criticize him. I honestly don't know why this is any of my business. Go criticize him. But it doesn't have anything to do with whether I support a force of vote or whether you yeah. should support a force of and vote. He hurt, and he hurt, and again, and I have an issue personally because I think he hurts, I think he hurts the left. I think people who don't, who have that sort of politics hurt the left and they hurt candidates like Bernie. All right, Sanders I disagree, but voters. you're entitled to your opinion. That's all I'm saying. They, okay. they hurt Democrats, they hurt uh, leftist po candidates amongst normal voters. And I care about, I 
volunteered for Bernie twice, and I want leftist candidates to win. And when the perception is that the left just tears down the Democratic Party among normal voters, and that's all they do, then of course that's something that I'm going to be affected. You know in. what? I don't think there's a single normal person in America who thinks that Jimmy Dore tears down leftist. It's only people who have a sycophantic. I got to say this. I'm sorry. Y'all have worn me down. I'm tired. Unless you have a sycophantic relationship with random leftist politicians, there's no way in the world that someone expressing the outrage of their ineptitude is perceived as tearing them down as opposed to pushing them to do their goddamn jobs. And it's absurd that so many people are keeping and running cover for people whose only job is to suffer the slings and arrows of their constituents and fight harder when they're whipped. That is their job. Okay, I just I just disagree. That's that's okay. We have a disagreement about this, but I I, I don't think that this strategy is going to work for the left in twenty twenty four. What strategy is that? The strategy of not having a plan other than basically just tearing down and saying why Democrats. Well, sir, suck. you've been on this call for like twenty minutes and you've done nothing but say negative things. What's the plan? What's the affirmative positive thing that's on your mind that you've been itching to talk about? Because all that's come out of your mouth is a nonstop stream of negativity about other people. The only person in this conversation who came up with an idea that could have moved the left and moved the ball of Medicare for all is Jimmy Dore. But that. But force the force the vote was not going to work. Though. It literally was know. going to, and we don't have to rehash this, sir, because we talked about it for three hours, and I could not work. be more clear on this issue. If it you still don't think work. force the vote it will work, I encourage you to politely be quiet and step to the side so the other people who want to push the country forward have the space to do so. <laughs> just get out of the way. So I'm not asking wanna... you to join out and join ND. So I'm just asking wanna... you to get out of the way because, so because people I like, like you. I don't want to push the country forward. That's unbelievable. Excuse me. No, I'm not. No. You need to get out of the way because Jimmy Dore had a plan that was going to work. And if it wasn't going to work, if it wasn't going to work, it wasn't going to hurt anything. But people like you stood in the way and prevented progress from happening. But the, all for what? I don't so have you any can power. podcast host. I don't have any power. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. a regular working class person. Okay. All power. I'm asking, Mindy, is for you to get out of the way. Don't don't block the effort. To, don't get online and say Jimmy Dore is dumb. Force vote isn't going to work. And we shouldn't do anything. And AOC is my queen and she can do no wrong. Just if you think that someone else has an idea that you I are skeptical will AOC actually work. Queen and she can do no wrong. That's, okay. That's, all all I'm making a point is that Demo- Democrats are better on these issues than Republicans are. D. And AOC is okay, not being you, you be good, criticized. Good, good luck with that plan of telling Democrats how much better they are than Republicans and see if that makes them work for you. Tell, you go go ahead with your plan of telling Democrats are going to vote for them no matter what they do. And good look at when Ron DeSantis is president in 2024 and the same strategy that was applied with Trump. Oh no, was, we're going to have a Republican president. Remember when, when the world was going to end when Trump was president of the United exactly. States? Remember a, when Trump is, was going to do things like have horrible immigration policies like Title voters. 42? You guys don't even care about what DeSantis and Trump and the Republicans are doing in Florida and you're so invested in Democrats being bad and not good enough. We, you guys I'm sorry, don't we, don't, we don't about care about it? What's the you evidence that we don't care said, about it? You literally just said, oh, oh, no, Republicans going to be president. Is that going to resonate with the Democratic no, state? No, the point I'm making, D, is about a Republican D, president. Are you the serious? point that I'm making is that you made this exact same ridiculous argument in 2016. It didn't work. Trump became president anyway. And for the overwhelming majority of Americans, their lives actually didn't fucking change. And that's the tragedy. And some people, some people's lives are fucking horrible under Biden, and they were horrible under Obama, and they're horrible under Bill Clinton, and they're horrible under all of these Democrats going back to time immemorial. But guess what? Some people don't give a shit about that, D. 
Some people don't give a shit about that because they care about the latest shiny bullshit thing to happen and not the overwhelming shit of capitalism that the rest of us have to live under while you run around with jacking off Democrats for doing the bare oh fucking minimum. Okay, oh D? Oh, my God. So it's the bare fucking minimum. <laughs> oh people are God. tired of the bare fucking minimum. Yeah, and people and, – and by the way, that was supposed to – by the way, the other thing about Trump 20 20- 16 was that was by the way supposed to start a revolution that was told by yeah, people but it didn't, D, because people didn't. like you d ran around saying oh well the democrats are doing their best we gotta vote for biden the democrats are doing their best we gotta keep trump for getting a second term so let's vote for him without asking for a single thing and they'll reward us later i promise and oh you just said to me d oh he, he broke his promises on student debt but it's okay because it doesn't pull well well, God bless. If if you're dying of cancer that's, and you can't afford it, I hope right. Medicare for all polls for you polls well. Because if it doesn't someday, then D is going to give up on your fight for free health care. That's like okay, okay, okay. D, t- D, tell me where I'm wrong. Tell tell me what what no, what, what, what am I? How am I misrepresenting the situation? You can put you can push Democrats, but the fact that you were blase about another Trump. That's not an attitude, by the way, that the Democratic base has. Oh yeah, DeSantis is banning Black history. Oh yeah, Republicans don't do, want to do nothing about police reform. They actively want police brutality. I don't care about that because Democrats are mediocre. That's not a message that's going to resonate with any Democratic base voter. It's just not. And I have black family members in South Carolina, the sorts of black family members who voted for Biden because they have that exact thought. The Democrats are not good enough. We need to push them to the left. We need to vote for better candidates. But at the end of the day, the Republicans are have infinitely worse policy, and that's a lot of Democratic voters. We can pretend like every voter is a revolutionary, but that's just not that's not living in reality. It seems like I you're pretty set. here for you, Bernie two times saying this. It, it seems like you're pretty set in your ways. I hope that your plan to keep voting for Democrats works out. <laughs> okay. I don't know what you want me to contribute. You want me to give you permission to vote for Democrats? I'm not, I'm not your mom. I'm, I'm not, not Jimmy Dora's mom. I'm not your mom. I'm not asking for permission. <laughs> so okay. I obviously feel differently, but look, you you seem to have figured it Where out. Where are my parents? Not the black family members. Okay, so these these people are attacking me for having black family members who actually voted for for Biden, and this is why the left is disconnected and overwhelmingly white because the chat has an issue with black older voters and black voters who are voting for Biden are not revolutionaries. That's an amazing fact. <laughs> I, I don't think that's what the chat's saying, D. And I think you should remember who you're talking to here. No, no, no. I'm not. I I do understand who I'm talking to, but I'm I'm talking about the chat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not looking at the chat. I'm I'm trying to have a conversation with you. And if you I don't I don't really know what you want from me. But I think it's pretty clear from every word that's ever come out of my mouth that I strongly disagree with your whole approach to this. But and I haven't really made heard you make a case for why your approach to this will change a single thing that's been, that's been going on in the world doing the same thing that everyone's been doing since the history of America doesn't seem to me to be working out yes, very well, because- but if you want to keep doing that, God bless. Yeah. Because Good luck. It I hope it works. For, it worked for the Republicans, and they were able to move their party. What works for the Republicans? The Republicans just forced the vote. Yeah, and Republicans actually have 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 a group of people who will push the Republican Party right and actually support. Right, and we don't support. have a we don't have people that will force the Democrats left. But you don't want Jimmy Dore to complain about that. So I guess no, that's I don't the want end Jimmy Dore to tell me why AOC is the worst person in the world while constantly praising every Republican under the seat. I don't think that's a lot to ask. Okay, well, it sounds like that's a, a, a grievance that, you should bring up but, with but, Jimmy Dore. And, and, and by the way, where where are all the all the people who who by the way who have disagreed with me? All the lefty journalists who who are always attacking the Democrats for not being 
good enough on out. Where are they on Ron DeSantis effectively black, banning black history? I don't know. They did a radar on it today if you, you want to co- go check I know, it out. I know you covered it, but I'm saying all the people who who are in, who are in that group of people on, on the online left, where are they on, on that? I, I don't know. You should, you should ask them, but I, I presume that they're but, but I'm uh, just not saying, wild Brie, about those it. Are the people, those are the people that you're more aligned with. Where, where are they talking about Tyrone? Well, I, I would be really where honest are with you. they talking about DeSantis in African-American history? Where are they I, on any I, of I got to be honest with you. I don't think that DeSantis canceling AP African-American history is anywhere near as important as advocating for Medicare for all. That's just where I lie. I respectfully respect if other people disagree, but I also believe that Republicans are doing all of this shit to largely distract us from talking about issues that majority of the Americans care about and which they're about to fuck us over on. So, you know, I don't, I'm not saying ignore those things. I obviously gave some attention to it today on rising, but at the end of the day, if I'm going to be judging human beings who I want allied with me on what their priorities are yeah. and what they advocate for, I'm, I'm hardly inclined to throw someone out because they have not talked sufficiently about AP and African-American history being, being yeah. modified or, versus or, or, if or they stop talking about Medicare for all. And I wish to God, like, that's bad too. Like I, I, like I could go on and on and on. Like, I'm not obsessed with any of these people. I'm just, I've just called in to give my opinion on these people. Like, okay. this, uh, praising the Boogaloo boys is not good. And and I guess the difference that we have is you, your, your worldview is what am I affirming? What ideas am I affirming? What ideas am I promoting? My worldview is cool. What ideas are you promoting? But what ideas from the other side are you actively attacking? What, what are you doing? Are you just someone who just says, I just care about foreign policy. And if Republicans take away, um, you know, a woman's right to choose, if they ban trans kids, I don't give a shit about that because that's less important than the economic issues. And I think that those issues are just as important. All right, do I They're just as important. appreciate you and advocating for them? What, and that's probably, and by, and by the way, that's why Democrats actually kind of did oh, well. Okay. Because people, towns like, they actually care about things like abortion and kids being able to learn. That's why I think yeah, Democrats Demo- and, and look, I, Democratic voters do care about those things. So do yeah. a lot of Republican voters. Unfortunately, the Democratic Party doesn't because they haven't taken it. But the, they didn't. They, they didn't decide it was. They, they didn't decide it was important enough, D, to codify Roe in the last fifty years. So now we don't have abortion and rights. I, so I'm with you on that. They have that. They didn't. They they messed up. I okay. So was I that seems to me, if you're mad about not having abortion, seems to me that the person to be mad at. Isn't me, and it isn't Jimmy Dore. I'm not. Mad, I'm not mad at at you. I'm, but but even with the abortion thing, again, the people who are to ban for abortion are the Supreme Court justices who took it away, not the idiots who didn't codify. That's, yes, that's what no, we no wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's the idiots who took it away. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Democrats played uh, chicken with the idea of abortion for 50 years, using it as a cudgel to get people to come to the polls. This is exactly what they did in 2016. They said, Ruth Bader Ginsburg decided not to retire, even though she had pancreatic cancer, one of the most deadly, horrible kinds of cancer that you can have. Yes, she should have retired. And Hillary, and she said, I'm not going to retire because Hillary Clinton is going to pick my opponent, my, my replacement. Mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton said, I'm 100% going to win, and then you absolutely have to vote for me. They, like, they, like, they played Russian roulette with us. They said, you absolutely have to yeah. vote for me because the Supreme Court is so important. And voters said, actually, no, I don't because you suck. And yeah. that's why we're in this situation. And RBG was an idiot. I'm not. A, I don't. So I'm not. I don't have the energy to be mad at Republicans because the but for cause, the but for cause. I'm sorry. Me being mad at Republicans, a dog is gonna bark. 
Okay. I don't have any expectations from them. What I have expectations from is the Democratic Party, people like Hillary Clinton and Rupert Ginsburg, who were told are heroes, and for some reason, fly on fucking flagpoles all around this goddamn city in Washington, D.C. I can't turn a corner without seeing a fucking light post with Ruth Bader Ginsburg's face on it or a goddamn hipster mural with her freaking face all over it. And I was just yeah, looking at these people as heroes when they're the but-for cause for women not having abortion rights. I'm not, I'm not a fan, I'm not a fan of any of these people. I'm not an okay. apologist for Dem- I'm not an apologist for Hillary or Biden. All right. Well, look, D, I appreciate they, I appreciate push, yeah, just, the back just, and forth. We've been going for over just, half an hour. Is just push people push the fellow lefties on what the right is doing. That's all I'm asking for. Just once in a while, not you, but I'm saying the other people. Just look, once should, in a you while. Bring this up to Jimmy Dore and say to him specifically, "Do you care about AP African American history?" And if he says no, you know, if in, in that offends you grievously, then that is what it is. But here's all I know is that there aren't that many people talking about Medicare for all right now, and there weren't that many people who were willing to put themselves on the line and fight for something important when it, when there was something that we could have done about it during force the vote. And I am I'm always going to demonstrate a certain level of respect for jimmy for putting himself on the line in that moment because it was i'm i'll tell you what d i was there and it was incredibly lonely and it was we faced an incredible onslaught from which frankly i had not recovered and i'm not going to sit here and of, of all the people who have been mean and cruel and heartless and made personal attacks on me and tried to destroy me tried to try to cancel me tried to get my you know lose my ability to have a show and on the left, people who I don't respect, people who I wouldn't spit on if they were on fire, Jimmy's not one of them. And there are a lot of people out there that I, despite feeling like they are disgusting human beings, I keep my mouth closed and don't say a thing about them because ultimately they're serving the purpose of advancing broad left interests. And if I can keep my mouth shut about the people who are so cruel and evil to me, I think that people can show Jimmy Dore, who was on the right side of history and 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 and. Okay. You know, landed a lot of important punches during force the vote. Can show him a little grace as well. Okay, that's where I am. I don't expect you to be in the, where I am because yeah, you were I not in the same place I was I'm during force the vote. Cool but that's how I feel about it. Boys. That's all I'm saying. I'm just okay. Not cool well, you that. can be very offended by that. That's your right. Yeah. Okay. 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 I feel, racism I feel is not a deal breaker. Okay. I, I guess. I guess you're you care about uh, racism more than I do. Thank you so much for calling in, D. All right. Where did Jonathan go? All right, Jonathan, what's on your mind today? Okay, I'm sorry for saying take him first, but also I'm not because some of that was literally the best content I've ever heard. And <laughs> it was just a, a, a rip-roaring good time. And, you know, that's that's also why the Vouch conversation was valuable, I thought. Uh, and, by the way, I'd like you to, if you if you – get a chance to convey to, to uh, Armand uh, how awesome that montage he put together of Vosh talking shit that you inserted at just the right time in that podcast. That was absolutely beautiful uh, and, uh, and just artistically done. And he, the man is, is truly the Van Gogh of video editing. <laughs> yeah, he really broke his foot off on that one. Yeah, Ooh, but yeah. I feel like... I feel like I just I just had a date. If you if you want to know what it's like for me on ninety nine percent of my online dates, <laughs> it was it was that it was that caller interaction. Well, oh. I I am 
sorry that uh, you know your dates go like that, but if you can start recording, as am I. if you can start recording them uh, and posting them as content, I, I think uh, they'd be quite popular. I mean, you should see the chat and all the little fire emojis and heart emojis, man. Oh, yeah, you guys, you you guys be, and look, D, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be beating up on D. I don't know why I'm out here showing the patience of Job with like Vouch, but I get on this goddamn call and app, and I end up blowing up on everybody in the world. But guys, like we already had this conversation like a hundred times. How many times? Like at this point, if you disagree with me, go forth. Like it's fine. Just disagree with yeah. me. I, this we was, don't need to talk about it. Righteousness. The righteousness of it was was what made it great content. And the the colorful turn of phrase and like honestly like it was it was just it was beautiful start to finish, uh, but yeah you know like like obviously you knew I would I would be like a little I would I would have thoughts about and the, that hit me I, I asked him like three times to tell me about the MMT and he did, did you notice he just didn't didn't get into yeah. it well and he well what's more he gave like explicitly wrong answers and like. I have re- like I pulled my punches on the guy. Like I don't want to drag him down because he has really good politics, and uh, he's been on the right side of a lot of uh, important political issues. But he's a terrible, terrible macroeconomist, and like those things that he was repeating for like the whole first half of it were like every myth that MMT has been working so hard for so long to disabuse people of, and. Um, you know, it made it into your radar, unfortunately. So let me, yeah, I just, I just wrote the radar based on his thing because I was tired. But the, let, let me ask you this. So my feeling was this. Given that most of the world, however, rightly or wrongly, has a conception of the budget as a, a household budget and moreover feels as though there is some moral You know, there, there's some negative morality attached to being so in debt and that there are geopolitical consequences to having other countries own our debt. Regardless if you think we could print a coin or do MMT to get rid of it, the fact is that we don't. And there are these relationships that now exist as a consequence of our debt being just by other places. Well, those, those relationships don't actually exist the way he described. And that was one of the things I found so deeply objectionable. Um, you know, the U S literally borrows money from nobody. In fact, if anything, you know, I, I think you, you probably remember Fadl talking about the IMF and the world bank. We're literally the world's loan shark and countries like the U S the UK, China, and a few others are, are monetarily sovereign. Like what we call debt is not actually debt. Nobody's, nobody's borrowed from nobody. There's nobody to pay back. Uh, these are all debts to ourselves. And it's called that because of basically a legal vestige and because, frankly, you know, economists like to, you know, have words that don't mean things that, you know, the same as they mean to ordinary lay people. But, yeah, those relationships do not exist. They, the China has nothing over our head. That's not actual debt. It's basically just dollars they put in a savings account that bears interest. That's it. So none of that is true. And the, the fact that these, that people believe these things that are not true, uh, is, has been part of the problem. Like these are things that, that Clara Matei was saying are part of the, the kind of big lie that's constructed to, uh, keep people from realizing what the government can do and what it should be doing. 
and uh, you know all of this kind of debt deficit. The government is like a household rhetoric is is deeply problematic in that respect. And he just kept going and going, like almost every single thing he said was like dead wrong on the economics. And it was a lot of it was stripped like directly from, you know, old fashioned Milton Friedman, Chicago school economics. And the guy identifies as a Marxist. And I'm like, what are you even doing? Uh, you know, the, and the, the debt and the debt ceiling, it's it's a legal matter. It's not any kind of budgetary or economic matter. And it's a legal vestige from back when we were on the gold standard. It was passed in 1917 uh, when, you know, at a time when we had to monitor how much money there was in circulation because everything was convertible to gold. You know, we, it was stopped being convertible to gold in 1933 for normal people and by states in 1971. Like all of that stuff is, is pointless now. And it's been just, you know, it's been left on the books and it's been raised automatically for years and years and years. It was only like in the late 90s that Republicans started using it as a cudgel. But, you know, it's deeply constitutionally problematic because the money's already been appropriated by Congress. So this is not like we don't this has nothing to do with us owing anybody anything or us having a problem with our credit card or our credit rating. The only thing that damages our international credit rating is when we don't pay our bills. And the only thing that can stop us paying our bills is that kind of obstructionism. And that's like, that's the heart of the problem. So like he, he completely, like every single thing that he said about the debt, the debt ceiling, all that stuff, dead wrong, dead wrong. And I know that's not your fault, obviously, but you know, he got it out there and there's a lot of people, I don't know, that, uh, that are going to hear that and that don't know any different and that, um, you know, are going to come away with the wrong impression. And it, it feels like, I don't know, it feels like a step backward. I don't know what you say, Jonathan. Well, yeah. I mean, I can, I can get you Steve Grumbine any time. I'm, I'm happy to talk to him. I'm happy to talk well, to him, but. You know. Yeah, I mean, you could reach out to him. He could cert- you could certainly do an episode on the on the debt ceiling, or maybe even you can, if you want to, you could even have them argue it out. But um, Steve Grumbine is the best one to explain that stuff at this point, just because uh, he has like basically uh, the OGs of MMT will vouch for him as knowing as much as any PhD economist, and uh, he's been like neck deep in this stuff for years now. Uh, like he may be able to to help set that straight, but like he, the, the second half of it, like all the all the politics stuff he did is good, and I hate to dump on the guy, but he's just like it's his economics are just appalling. Like it made me cringe. Okay, well I'll reach out to Steve Grumbine and we'll see what he has to say. All righty. But yeah, that's uh, other than that. Like, like I said, it uh, it's uh, I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm picking on you for it. Like, obviously, that's not not your fault. You couldn't have known he was gonna um, pull that stuff. And I did definitely hear you try to ask him those kinds of pointed questions, to which he gave like straight up wrong answers to. But um, yeah, anyway, I just I kind of wanted to get that out there. No, I knew I knew you were Jonathan. All right. I appreciate you calling in as always. And yeah, thanks. Thanks for the, the last 30 minutes, by the way. I, I had a great time. I'm glad you enjoyed it. All right. Take All care. Right. Keep the faith. Bye.
All right, ribs crack. I saw you in the queue last time around. What's on your mind? Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I really enjoyed your episode today. Um, I really appreciate Richard Wolf's um point of view breaking it down for people to understand. Um, sorry, I'm really surprised that you actually picked on me today. Um, oh, I don't know what to say. It's <laughs> that because you were in the queue so long last time and didn't get called. I remember this bright neon green. That's why. Oh, cool. Um, I really don't have much substantive to say, um, but I, you know, you're like a brilliant person who's like super awesome and cool and whatever. Um, and I just like have these like little fantasy ideas of like you talking to other people um, one of them being Kimberly Foster, who you've mentioned before, and it's just like just something, oh, oh, I would just love to see you two just talk about whatever the fuck you guys want to talk about. Um, I should reach you back could. out to, to Kim. We, we have to put together this Valentine's Day episode. Maybe that's a good time to have her back on or yeah. have her on for the first time. I think it would be absolutely wonderful. Um, and then also just another one. Um, I don't know in what context that you would talk to um Imani Barberin um she's this woman who's um a disability advocate um and she's just a brilliant another brilliant woman who I think uh you guys would have a really good back and forth um Imani and she's a lot Barberin yes um uh, she's crutches and spice on twitter um oh very- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I follow I follow that account. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Uh. If you ever like wanted to reach out or like talk or whatever, I think it'd be so cool. Um. For you guys to do that. Um. But yeah, yeah. She'd be a great guest. That's a good idea. That's a good cool, idea. Cool. Um. I have nothing else to contribute, but super cool to that was a lot. Ribs crack. I appreciate you calling in. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you so much for your kind words. Also, keep the faith. You too. All right, Michael, what's on your mind tonight? How's my how's my audio? Your audio is fabulous. Fantastic. Um, I'm actually glad Dee called in, um, because that segues into some things I wanted to talk about tonight. Okay, hit me. Okay, so we have so many people that we keep hearing over and over, and then from high profile, like intelligent people who are really stuck on this, but we have to stop the Republicans. We heard it from Dee, we heard it from Bausch the other day, even Noam Chomsky. Nope, got to vote. But uh, I've been trying to think of a good analogy for, to kind of debunk this a little bit. And the analogy I have is the Republicans are driving right off a cliff. We all know that. We don't need to talk about it because we see them driving right off the cliff. The Democrats are tied in another vehicle, by, they have a tow rope in between them, and their job is to drive the other way, left. Mm-hmm. But they are not doing so. They are, clearly. Um, and, you know, they, they're, they, they've been in neutral, maybe, like, since the 80s. 
Mm-hmm. And now, recently, it appears that they actually put the foot on the gas or in a, or in a race. That analogy being like Ukraine and push, being to the right of Republicans on on war and a couple other things. And, okay, so that's an analogy I have. And with, I want to talk about uh, Dr. Wolf and force the vote a little bit in this mm-hmm. context. So with force the vote initially, it was, hey, let's have the best of uh, the Democrats who've come in to take over the party as advocates of the left start leveraging their power, which they didn't do. And after they didn't, it became the discourse around it became, hey, the Democrats aren't fighting for you. And the best of us, the ones, you know, that sat in Nancy Pelosi's office and day one told us about how they're from day one, you're being co-opted and trying to be absorbed into the, to the Democratic machine, AOC. Uh, they're, they're not fighting for us. And right now I know I'm preaching to the saved. And so that's kind of cathartic. I'll get to my point here shortly. Um, so when we're talking about force the vote now, we're trying to break the dissonance that these people have that that the Republicans are worse when the Democrats are owned by the same donors and moving us in the same way. And, and like uh, Vouch was saying, you know, beating a dead horse and keep bringing it up. Fine, we'll stop bringing it up once your dissonance breaks. Because that's fundamentally what we're trying to do is break that dissonance and get people to understand the Democratic Party is not the solution. Um, they're they're not gonna they're not going to they're not solutions. Uh, they're not solution oriented. They're not trying to get us Medicare for all or or stop nuclear proliferation or save the environment. They're being fueled by the same corporate donors that the Republican Party is. Yeah, but and they're like a little bit better than the Republicans. So. Exactly, but they're a little <laughs> bit better, but they're driving right. They're going right, just like the Republicans. Like, ask, ask someone, what do you hate so much about the Republicans fundamentally? And it's going to come down to that they're not, they're not doing the people's interest and they're doing all these crazy things. But if you ask them why, I don't, I don't know that they get down to the fundamental piece that they're bought. And they're doing the bidding of their corporate donors. And the Democrats are doing the same thing. They're just not at the same rate. And at best, you know, they're moving right and and yeah, I mean, still what, trying. But at worst, they're yeah. colluding. What's so perverse to me, actually, maybe perverse is too strong a word. I'm sorry. I don't mean to go in on D. But what's so frustrating to me about it? And the way that the D brought up these issues, like the banning of the AP African, or not the banning, whatever, the pressure to change the national AP history course because Ron DeSantis doesn't like it, um, and the you know critical race theory bills and all of this shit, like the the focus on that stuff and the argument D is making that like, well, you don't, you know, the, this part of the left doesn't care enough about those things, and it demonstrates, I guess a lack of commitment to historically marginalized groups or whatever. I see it actually as the other way around that the democratic party kind of manifests commitment to those things. I'm not talking about individuals. I think that people, real people in good faith care about that stuff. The democratic party loves to fight that battle because they can, they can look very, very different from the Republicans as long as we're staying in a culture war place. 
Yeah. Or night and day. Oh, the Democrats are so much better than Republicans as long as we're talking about AP African American history class. Hey, the Demo- the Democrats just uh did you see they 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 made a they covered a cop oh, car? No. You can talk about the, the socialist vote. And oh, you know yeah. who voted they? Okay, hold on, wait. You're talking about the socialism. No, right? no, I was bringing up I'm the sorry, cop sorry. car that they they covered sorry. in kente cloth and like pictures of Africa and red, black, and green for African American. Oh, history like a month. couple of years ago, the Pelosi. No, thing? like just now. They did it again? Just now. Oh God. So it's like they're doing that, and so like it, I feel as though D. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I feel as though D is basically saying, "Look, Democrats gave you this red, uh, black and green cop car." Like, they're obviously different than Republicans. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, it's not that I don't care. Like, it's not that I don't care about African-American history. It's not that I don't care about Black History Month. But it's a cop car. It's just a dressed-up cop car. And and I don't know. Maybe it's not entirely fair. Like, maybe there are elected officials who really do. I mean, like, I'm sure they love Kanga Yamada Taylor and Alice Walker and wish they weren't banned in Florida. I wish they weren't banned in Florida. Color Purple is my favorite movie. But, I, like, I... It feels like inducing you to care about that stuff, not to care, but inducing you to focus on that stuff is a trap. And, yeah, and what I say in the privacy oh, of my you home. don't care about these things and because uh, you're not stopping the Republicans from doing it. But the, the Democrats are enabling everything they do. Uh, so go, go ahead, then I'll get to the second. No, go ahead. Okay. So thank you. Um, so the second part of my analogy is – that uh, as capitalism is the driver of everything that is bad and anything, any problem you can find right now, you can trace to capitalism. I'll argue that anything the Republicans are doing bad, you can trace to the Democrats either going along with it or not fighting it. And in that context, like I don't, we don't necessarily need to always talk about force the vote because we can always come up with an area where the Democrats aren't leveraging what they have to fight for a common issue. So today in the, in the talk with Richard Wolf, who I love, I've been following him for a long time. He's, he's really funny man, and on point with so many things, especially uh, economy related. Uh, We're talking about debt ceiling. So my idea, I mean, it's ludicrous that the Republicans come up there and say, but what about the debt? Not just because of the hypocrisy of how much they increase the debt, but because that right now, the Democrats could call their bluff. They are bluffing because all the, all the Democrats have to do right now is say, okay, yeah, this debt ceiling, we, we have a problem. I, I know what we can do. Let's, let's reverse the, the Trump uh, tax breaks for the rich. That'll get us there. Let, and then mm-hmm. roll that back That's and exactly have AOC right. writing letters – to, to everybody and using her platform of millions of people to say, oh, yeah, we're going to just repeal the, the tax cuts. You love that, right, Republicans? You, you, you're worried about this debt ceiling? Let's roll this back, right? Mm-hmm. They could do that and on any issue. They could do this. Like there's a saying around my circles, and that's if you, if you scratch a liberal, a fascist bleeds. Sorry, we don't like uh, – <laughs> anyway – uh, I think that you, you, you give me an issue and I can find an area where the Democrats have not pushed back or used their power to stop it and definitely not go the other direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I think I, I understand that. I, I understand that that why Jonathan does is frustrated with Richard Wolf's economic take. At the same time, I think it's useful because it presents opportunities like the one you just offered. So a leverage opportunity. So if, if we're going to all be pretending to care about the budget, like it's a real thing, then fine. Let's use this as an opportunity to expose how much of our deficit is attributable to military spending and use it as an excuse to curb the same. Uh-huh. Let's make use it as an excuse to talk about how much of the deficit is attributable to tax cuts for the 1% and argue that we should tax the rich. And I think that that's a good thing. Like, unless, you know, I, unless you want to make the case and convince Americans about MMT and this, this little, little like media cycle around the debt ceiling. I mean, we should be doing that anyway for the longer term project, but you know, these are kind of like, how are you going to exploit this moment is kind of how I'm thinking of it. And we can we can make the case like we can make the case for MMT in this moment, but it's you know that just has that's that's another that's another opportunity. But as long as everybody's thinking in this like household budget mindset, I don't hate saying, "All right, fine, let me call you on your bluff." Yeah, and uh, what Biden's going to do is he's going to compromise. He's quote unquote compromise. He's going to either make cuts to Social Security or something that the Republicans want. Instead of pushing back and pulling things the other direction, saying, yeah, like you said, cut the military, or like I said, uh, roll back the, the Trump t- tax credits, because politically will, they're aligned more than the, the, the Democrats are trying to, to move left. Mm-hmm. And we're going to keep seeing things like this. And so the, the solution of, well, we got to vote for Democrats, we got we can't, we, we got to be nice to Democrats, because otherwise DeSantis is going to ban Michelle Alexander, who if she hasn't been on the show yet, I'd love to have her on. Um, yeah, I'd love to have her on, but she's so good. Um, but anyway, uh, getting digressed here. Yeah, it, the, the the dissonance needs to be broke. That they're not stopping the Republicans. They they might not even be opposed on core issues, and it's evidenced over and over. Yeah, and uh, to defend Jimmy Dore just a little bit, what I say to people that. Just hate Jimmy Dore. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But show me the Democrat or the pundit on MSNBC or CNN who is saying these things. Mm-hmm. Just show have someone you like doing this job, but there are none. So until someone fills that space who you like, we are stuck yeah. with uh, someone a little more uncouth like Dore or somebody awesome like you. Thank you for having me on. Thank thank you so much for calling in. It's a it's a rare <laughs> rare Jimmy Dore defense in these parts. But uh I I appreciate it. I I kind of feel the I feel the same way at this point. Oh goodness. Um Walliel um Walliel Am I saying that right? You're you're up next. What's in your mind? Are you with us, Waliul Islam? Sorry, it's cutting off the end of your name. What's uh, Waliul Islam Islam? Anyone mute yourself? You might be a first-time caller. You got to press the little mic button to unmute yourself so we can hear you. Can, can you hear me? 
Yes, I can hear you. What's on your mind? Sorry about that. Just call me Wally. Everybody struggles with that. Okay, Wally, what's on your mind? I well, I was gonna say a lot of things, but I feel like we've like I I don't want to pile on at this point. But go uh, ahead. That's what the pile is for. No, no, I'm not gonna do that. I wasn't really even going to mention he who shall not be named, <laughs> even though I'm, I actually like he who shall not be named. But it's just pointless. I don't even. It's just tiring talking about it. But uh, I just like, and I feel the same frustration as you, to be honest. Like I'm personally, I'm a cynic, and like I, I'm, an, I came to this country. I'm not a citizen of this country. But I, I am. I was a Bernie supporter, and I was very proud that I got like three people in my family to vote for him. People mm-hmm. who's never voted, both elections, they were always like, "Ah, oh, it's whatever, it doesn't matter." But they actually went and voted. And, well done, Wally. But, but after what what I've seen happen, it's been very disappointing, to be honest. Like mm. Bernie Sanders and AOC and everybody. And, like, personally, like, I've probably, you know, like, given up hope or, me, you know, but, like, I just, I would like to tell a story my uncle, like, told me one time. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was at this traffic stop, and it was me, my uncle, and his son, and we were at the red light, and there's always a beggar there. I always ask for money. He's there every day, and that day my uncle gave him money. And I was just like, why Why are you doing this? Like, that guy, he's, he's just going to go buy drugs or whatever. Why are you doing this? And he told me, like, you know, Zishan, you have to do the right thing. After that, what he does, that's on him. You do the right thing, always. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. You always have to keep doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I would just like to send that message to this call in right now. Just, just keep doing the right thing as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't prejudge don't you know like who said what and who is it coming from you do the right thing you know you know what i mean yeah i like that a lot wally i like that a lot so yeah i I would just i would just like to end on that yeah thank you for that thank you for calling in that was a nice dose of perspective for us all i think thanks wally keep the faith okay thank you yeah all right, Andy, what's on your mind this evening? Hello, did it go through? It did go through. All right. Well, first, I just want to congratulate you on finishing your Lego uh, typewriter. That looks great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <sighs> There's actually a missing piece. You know, oh, no. it was so weird. You put the whole thing together and it, you know. It'll I don't turn think up. it was lost. It just wasn't in the bag. But they have a thing where they you you can like order yeah, any did. missing pieces, and it came so quickly. So I actually just put the last piece in a few days ago, and it was very satisfying. Amazing. Well, I can't wait to see what amazing uh, articles you type up with it in the future. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought this was a good episode. It's always, you know, it's always good to just remember. Um, some of the machinations of our capitalist society and how much money plays a role in it and how it seems that, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, people in, I don't know if this is what I'm talking about, you know, just, it's good to hear um, every now and again, like the things that 
the people in charge want us to forget and mainly money and who it goes to is a big one that I feel like people try to make or try to sweep under the rug. So it was good to hear that from Richard Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. He's very, um, I don't know. He's, he, I don't know what it is about him and Hedges and, uh, um, West. They yeah. all have this, I don't know if it's just, I like to talk to sometimes an, an, an older professorial type, but I find there to be something very, I don't know. Hopeful. Or... Yeah, like weirdly optimistic. Even Chris Hedges, mm. who as uh, Richard Wolf said, can be a real downer. <laughs> I was cracking up at that. <laughs> but there's something... Um, about their the fact of their commitment to belief after all of this time, and their mm. willingness to con- continue to stick their heads up and be the the you know the nail above the rest, the squeakiest wheel despite suffering the slings and arrows of having occupied that position for so long, uh, that m- makes their hopefulness somehow worth more. The the, the fact that they're still even fighting, definitely worth more. Yeah, I mean, it's Black History Month, and, you know, this country certainly has a history with kind of, I don't know, uh, revolution in the face of, you know, billions of dollars, I guess. Just, you know what I mean. Uh, Sorry, I'm a little nervous still. No, you're good. Just that, you know, I remember um, during the end of the conversation, you talking about maybe, what was it? how, I don't know, just the future of the left and how it seems like, oh, that, like, America, the American empire is seemed to be on the decline and, like, what that might look like as, you know, many people might suffer and if it'll have to get to that before people act. And, I don't know, just thinking about, like, you know, our um, our point in history and how, maybe what it was like for the people that came before us, if they felt this hopeless or how they managed to, you know, focus on like, it doesn't matter if we can, it just matters that, you know, we have to do it even if like, it doesn't turn out the way we want kind of thing. Like Mm kind of like how I remember you once describing why you say keep the faith as like, not necessarily to ignore the challenges that we're facing, but just sort of keep the faith in spite of everything. And I don't know. I still remember that and it being very powerful. I'm, 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 I'm glad. I'm glad there's some resolve to be found in it. I sometimes uh-huh. feel, you know, I need to be reminded to, <laughs> to keep the faith. We all do. I mean, you know, we're never, People aren't, you know, when people find a good path to walk on, they'll find a way to question it. You know what I mean? Like, we're always going to question if whether what we're doing is not necessarily right, but if, like, this is the right way about going about it. You know, you just have to stick with it. And I think that we're, what we're doing is right. And what we're doing, you know, in this left project is alienating at times. I certainly think, you know, while listening or just kind of in the past week thinking about maybe having an an art movement or just like mm. I was thinking maybe as a form of protest, we just like everyone in this chat room, either they get like a permanent marker or just like some non-toxic paint and just like maybe in the middle of the night, you know, 
sometimes we just like paint with permanent markers on banks, like just something like, you know, don't donate to like this company, whatever the bank's donating to, or just like having, like, I'm imagining just like a graffiti everywhere. And I think that would be very, um, galvanizing to people like, Oh, people like feel the same way as me or like, Oh, what is this person talking about? Like, what is Medicare for all? I mean, Um, so you've been watching, you've been watching the last of us too. I have not. I actually, I, I haven't. I've heard <laughs> because good things, that's a though. thing. Really? The rebel. There's like a rebel group. Oh, the fireflies. I the did fireflies. see people play the video game. So yeah, I know about that. And yeah, I yeah. think. I think yeah. I think that if we all take that sort of responsibility in ourselves to just like. You know, I think that there is a balance between waiting for someone to take the lead and for also us to be, like, our own leader and sort of, like, I think if everyone in this chat room just kind of, like, give themselves a delusional dose of, like, ego, then they could, like, do something, you know, that they would be proud of and just, like, you know, just writing something uh, graffiti style to, like, just raise awareness or just, like, feel good or maybe just, you know... You know what I mean? Sorry. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I think that that kind of stuff, I know that folks, it's a very, it's like a very, I'm a serious leftist person thing to mm. push back and say, you know, celebrities aren't going to get us there. Artists aren't going to get us there. Symbolism mm-hmm. isn't going to get us there. Slogans mm-hmm. aren't going to get us there. Left media isn't going to get us there. The revolution will not be televised. And I get it. Like, cause people don't want more substantive movement activity be to be demobilized, to be prioritized because we hope that Cardi B is going to spark the revolution. Like I get it yeah. at the same time that these things don't have to be mutually exclusive. And it just, you know, I'm always talking about, you know, I've said before about mm-hmm. how I wish you Bernie had done the red bandana thing as like a, <laughs> a symbol. So we could all recognize each that other. That was a good idea. And, you know, like I, I think that there's a lot of power in that. Um, I still wear my Bernie shirts on my runs and stuff. And I noticed that like nobody ever wears them. And I know that people are frustrated with Bernie, like, and it's not necessarily, you know, that, but it's, it's, I see people, I see more people walking around in like Biden or Kamala shirts. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, who is even this? Like, who is even doing this? And, And it used to be more common. I think everyone, mostly everyone's just put their campaign gear away, but I wish, I do wish there was some other way to still identify each other and be like, we're not alone we definitely need more. We definitely need more heart in these trying times, don't we? Yeah, I I wish yeah. we did have more mo- movement music. I mean, there was a reason why Republicans, conservatives, attacked all that stuff in the sixties and seventies. Mm-hmm. They knew the power of it, and for us to like roll our eyes at it today, or not literally us, but you know, so many people to kind of roll their eyes at at the value of that some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. I've been contemplating giving up on having long nails so I can play the guitar again. And if it, if it falls on my shoulders, I will write the great movement folk song of our generation. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll try and do some art pieces to be right beside you. So that's, that'll be our deal to each other. All right. If you make a song, then I'll do some. Uh, you'll, make the al- you'll draw the album cover. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love but, this for us, Andy. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for calling in, Andy. Yeah, of course. Oh, I just wanted to say, oh, this is Mm -hmm. like an idea. This is just a fun idea. What if, you know, you don't have to do it, but like, whatever. This is a fun idea. What if like you were talking about, I think when you and maybe your friends turn 40, you're going to like climb 
or not uh, walk Mount Kenya. I was mm-hmm. thinking, here's the idea. Here's the idea. Here's the pitch. You and like Bad Faith, we get like a fund right fundraiser, and it's like send you and maybe some like a cam, not like a camel crew, but like your equipment to Kenya, and like you do like an interview like in person there, and like I think that would be good. That would raise some money, you know. And like maybe we could have a portion of that money go to like a charity, and so like. Who wants to interview can't... me? What's what's the what's the what's the community okay, connection okay. up? Other than so, I just. Yeah, it's a win. It's a win-win. Is though is the Kenya connection? <laughs> but if you want there to be more, we could have. You could decide who it is, but it could be maybe the people of Kenya. Anyone that just like wants to talk, like talk about like. I think it's always interesting to hear just like. Just like not like big names, but just like some, like people telling their life stories. Like I think it's always interesting in like this Colin show. Whenever there's like people talking about like how like yeah I was in a union and this is like my story or like mm-hmm. I was you know that that one story of the um, UPS driver I think it was that like you know had a heat stroke and like his you know insurance mm-hmm. was like the business insurance. Like, I still think of that. And like, I think that would be interesting with the people of Kenya or it could be with your friends that you might go with. If like maybe just talking about like your experiences as just like human beings over the last over, you know, the last 40 years of just like what like America has like meant to you or just like what it's like failed you as or what you want to see from it or just something like that. Or, you know, you could just like, get like a fancy guess. I don't know. It's up to you, but that was the well, idea. Andy, was first the of idea. all, I need you to stop saying 40 so much with that, like hard R. It's causing <laughs> a lot of dissonance. 40, 40. You know, shut the fuck up, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, people still can't tell. People still can't tell. You're still too young to uh... run <laughs> You're still too young to run to president in my books, okay? <laughs> All right, Andy. Um, I'm gonna go uh, uh, get some hard liquor out of the kitchen and uh, <laughs> go to the next no, caller. No, yeah. All right, keep the faith, okay? You're awesome. You're awesome. Thanks, Andy. Keep the faith. All right. Uh, Cynthia, long time no chat. How are you? Shit, it's me. It's you. Hi. Oh, hello. Still here. Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. I got excited. I said, I haven't seen you in so long. I know. Or what have you been to up to? What's your life? Oh, my God. I'm just lint rolling clothes to put them in the laundry. <laughs> I'm cooking my little blue apron. <laughs> like, I just feel like I have to go into work now three days a week. And every day, well, okay, the three days of the week that I have to take the train, it's like all the disassociated and tired faces all around, including me. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It's just like Mm -hmm. capitalism, just like on display. It's really, I mean, it's kind of, you know, beautiful in a way because it's like the sadness, but it's also, of course, very sad and very disheartening. Um, Okay. So many thoughts now, especially because all of these people are bringing up all these right points. Where do I start? So um, first thing... The Richard Wolf conversation today, I didn't finish all of it yet, but like it was scaring the shit out of me. So maybe that's why I didn't finish it, but mm-hmm. also enlightening. Well, um, the good news is Jonathan says it's all wrong anyway, so don't be scared. Well, I know. And that just, and then I'm like, what the fuck? I don't even know what any of this means. Everything economics is just like, I know you said this before, and I always 
I'm the same way. It's like my eyes glaze over. It's so hard for my brain. I'm such a creative brain. So it's like so mm-hmm. hard for me to, you know, follow the thread of logic. I just, it's, I don't understand it. Um, but anyway, with regard to the Vosh conversation, with regard to the D, we love you, D. Sorry, D. Um, <laughs> we love you, D. <laughs> conversations. Honestly, I mean, I know they're tough to have or they can be laborious, you know, and annoying. But honestly, for someone like me, they're very valuable because I feel like I am in this transition. I'm I'm in this ongoing process, this like this slide further and further and further to the left as the years have gone on. Right. And I feel like post uh, 2020, I've been in this kind of like pseudo libtard lefty on my way to maybe more radical lefty and I'm still kind of in that space where I'm trying to figure everything out and I'm not like over here I'm I'm kind of like steel manning and then you know like I don't really know necessarily where I stand specifically because I'm trying to like weigh all the arguments because I was kind of late to some of the like uh the conversations around force the vote and stuff like that and like you know I'm I'm like weighing what your arguments are, what the other arguments are. I'm not saying that I agree or disagree, you know, like I don't have a staunch position or anything, but more and more, it's like, I hear your arguments and I'm like, okay, you're making really good, po-. you know, I'm, I'm just, start- it feels like my mind's just starting to open and there's this like paradigm shift happening. Mm. Um, and my, well, he, okay, he's not my boyfriend, but he's just like a serious, sensual friend person. I cannot call him. Mm, my boyfriend. Okay, no, mm-hmm. cannot call him my boyfriend yet. And by the way, every time <laughs> I get on Colin, I'm like, remember that COVID, that this COVID dating? Do men even care about politics? That was a year ago already when we did that episode. Yeah. Remember that one? That's wild. Wasn't we it two the, years? Wasn't it was a year ago. It says January twenty eighth, two thousand twenty two. I guess it was. That is insane. And we're on the phone for like six hours. But I guess it wasn't. um, We didn't have Colin at that point. Yep. That was that was was an epic one. That was epic. You should do. Well, I I know you did say for with Valentine's Day coming up, you have some more dating uh, episodes. So that that'll be fun. Yeah, gotta get it um, together. We don't have a lot of time. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I digress. But anyway, this my sensual friend who (laughs) is now I think even more lefty than me. By the way. We kind of bonded because of your podcast. He was like Brianna. Oh. Jo- I was like Brianna Joy Gray. You <laughs> love to hear it. Yes, you brought us together. Um, <laughs> but no, he sent me this uh, podcast. I haven't listened to it yet. He just t- told me about it tonight. Has anyone heard of the Gray Area? I think it's like an NPR esque kind of. Or no, it's from Vox. But he just said, and this is briefly. He just told me about it tonight. But he said that it's kind of the same conversation we're having, which is like we're kind of going beyond maybe we're in the process of like the old kind of like left versus right, you know, fantasy football. I mean, obviously a lot of people still exist in that space, but like those of us over here who are, you know, kind of going beyond that paradigm, we're starting to see that America's shifting or might be shifting into this, like uh, the brokenists and then the status quoists. So it's kind of like beyond left and right. Right. And that, um, maybe that's where our attention has, to, I, I don't know. I'm just sort of like 
the paradigm feels like it's shifting and I'm trying to figure out where I stand. You know what I mean? I think and that's I, very fair and fine. And I don't think you have to put a label on your, you know, on yourself. As, mm-hmm. What did you call yourself? A, li, li, um, you know, liberal adjacent or whatever. Yeah, liberal know? adjacent, lefty, <laughs> moving more to the radical left. But I guess the last uh, thing that I want to say slash question is with regard to you know, the upcoming project, because obviously we're, I think a lot of us are still trying to kind of figure out where we stand or even what we do now. Right. And mm-hmm. what I do like about, uh, um, I know that I, I was also one of the people who watched the, you know, the RBN Marianne, uh, interview and was disheartened because I like Marianne a lot. And, but I really, I did appreciate, you know, Sabby's, um, conversation around local politics right about being more focused on that and local and state politics and I'm just starting to kind of I don't know things are percolating and I'm starting to think of strategy in terms of like just maybe multiple concurrent things happening at once like mm-hmm. you know like maybe like I, I mean if there's a progressive like Marianne I, I or you know or Imani or you know people who are still within this kind of system I just don't know if I could opt out of campaigning for them or voting for them. I mean, you know, we know that maybe someone like Marianne is probably not going to get the, the nomination, mm-hmm. but, but then also concurrently being like, okay, we say this all the time. Oh, it's just one day you go to the ballot box, but really focusing, really being intentional about it's just one day you go to the ballot box. Now let's put back our focus on the local politics, on the state politics, because you know, I've, I've also been trying to learn more about history and thinking about how suffrage, women's suffrage happened. And I learned that like these same conversations were happening back then, the same battles were happening back then between people who were wanting to be more accelerationist and people who were like, we need to be more incremental. And I think, I, I believe ultimately what happened with the women's, uh, with the 19, or what, you know, the women's right to vote was that it kind of started happening state by state. And so I'm just starting to think about that with regard to like Medicare for all or, or with healthcare, you know, like maybe I'm not saying we all have to do this, but this is what I'm thinking. Like maybe if there's a progressive candidate we want to try and get behind, or I want to try and get behind, I might still do that. But then also pushing myself to start focusing locally for these kind of, you know, these big picture progressive ideas that we want to see passed and that maybe it might have to be, like a domino effect um, that ultimately, you know, occurs. But the one last question I had was about Marianne running within the Democratic Party and then doing that like bait and switch thing. Mm-hmm. Is that can can you is that something that can happen that she could do or that whomever you know could do? Yeah, I mean they can't. So the the argument that some people have made, including Marianne, is that you unless you run as a Democrat, you don't have the opportunity to participate in debates and debates are your biggest, most high profile opportunity to be seen and known by the American people and to offer a contrast with whoever the leading candidate is. And Mm -hmm. that absent a more robust third party infrastructure or a fairer system that allows there to be debates between third party candidates and democratic party candidates or maybe unless you're a big celebrity, like if Oprah ran third party, they would give her airtime and she could get on the news and say what she wanted to say regardless outside of the Democratic Party. But unless you're that, um, that there are benefits to running within the Democratic Party. 
and to only leaving at the point at which you lose slash are pushed out. Mm. Um, other people say that given, um, you know, not having a stronger statement that that's absolutely what you're going to do, which I, I question. So there, there are rules about what you have to do to be allowed on the debate stage and be in the democratic party. You saw them change the rules to get both Marianne and Tulsi off the stage last time around. Mm -hmm. So I do think that like, there's some risk in saying very explicitly, I'm going to do a dirty break, Mm -hmm. but whatever. Um, even if there are some people who think that it is, um, they don't trust that that would be Marianne's plan or and they think that ultimately it's going to sheepdog people back into the Democratic Party. From my perspective, even if that is a risk, you can just not vote for her if she does that in the general. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I'm a little confused about what the risk is. If she runs as a Democrat and then says, go vote for Biden, just don't vote for Biden. Like, if she runs as a Democrat, loses and then says, go vote for Biden – like, it's not like you, you signed a contract when you voted for her in the primary to do whatever she said. Right. So I'm a little confused as to what, like, I understand, like, not liking her because of that, feeling betrayed, mm-hmm. resenting her, being very mad online about it mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, that, I think that all of that is fair. And I can understand not wanting to say give her money because you don't have confidence that she's actually going to do a dirty break. I think that's completely fair. But it's hard for me to understand what the losses if you think there's any possibility that she might do a dirty break and even if she doesn't do a dirty break isn't there some benefit to her being on the stage with biden again you don't have to pay money for her to be on the stage with biden maybe you think because of her foreign policy positions her sympathies for israel etc means that you don't want to personally commit any of your time energy or money i completely understand that but it's hard for me like if she's going to do it anyway like, none of us are running her, but she's running, and, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like. Basically, and she has an exploratory committee or whatever. If that's happening, you know, that's, again, I just, I'm really struggling to understand what the downside is of her doing that over there by herself without any of our contributions. Or right. if you want to contribute, contribute, because it's, it's like, it's like paying for a podcast. <laughs> it's like, you know, I don't agree yeah. with everything Brianna says, but I appreciate that somebody's saying it. So here's five dollars. Well, I do, I do kind of. Exa- I mean, don't come for me, chat, okay? Because I'm still trying to assess where I stand. But I, because I'm, I'm admittedly like I'm not very well versed in like foreign policy and stuff like that. Like I've been trying to keep up, you know. But it's, I mean, God, I mean, it's so much to fucking keep up with all of the bullshit that happens in our world. So like. I, I, I understand people's um, hesitations about her specifically or what have you, mm-hmm. but I would argue, I would argue where we currently are, like you are where you are, right? Like we are where we are. Like, okay, we all want to say fuck capitalism, override the system, but you still have to go to work. You know, you have to pay your bills or whatever. Like you have, like while concurrently working on the thing that you're trying to get to supersede your day job, which is what I'm trying to do right now, right? So you are where you are. If she runs and is on that stage i would argue that's ultimately beneficial because bernie being on that stage stage is what got me to this point Mm -hmm. where i'm now you know a person who's trying to be active in politics trying to get a leftist message out there trying to be more leftist myself you know taking classes about marks and you know all this shit that i wasn't doing before 2016 so it's like Mm -hmm. i 
generally think and would argue that that is a, a net benefit. Um, but yeah, I don't, I guess, strategy wise, I, I feel like a dirty break would be a great strategy, like any candidate, you know? Yeah, I think it would be too. And I think it would be great if other people were in the race, but yeah, you know, you can't force anybody to run. And, yeah. you know, some people have done these draft X campaigns. I'm not exactly sure how that works, but if somebody wanted to start, you know, a campaign to draft somebody, I would support that as well. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I just got to say this one more time. I said this on the last call. When I brought this up over the summer, like six or seven months ago, mm-hmm. it was because I hoped that it would lead us as a left community to a place where we came up with ideas for who would be good to draft. Who yeah. would be our ideal candidate? What would that look like? And instead, people got so triggered by the words Marianne Williamson that we've been arguing about her ever since. At the same time, we haven't done any work to put forward alternatives. So right. now people want to be like, well, why are we talking about Marianne? Well, because you refuse to talk about anybody else. And so now yeah. there's no other options. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. I. Well, I, um, yeah, but anyway, thanks for having me. Um, I, oh, actually this is the one thing I like, ha- last thing I had to say about faith, you know, cause obviously your podcast ain't bad faith, keep the faith the more and more that you're making these arguments and the more that I'm being pulled over into this, you know, zone of break of, you know, paradigm shift, breaking free of the status quo of the democratic party completely. I just keep thinking about taking a leap of faith and how, you know, maybe so many people are just like myself, maybe in a little, in a little, in many ways are still kind of bound by this trap that we feel, we feel, in, we feel trapped by the fear of like the alternative, right. Or mm-hmm. of what might happen. Um, but maybe we just need to start taking that leap of faith and really start building that dirty break as it were, you know, on, on a macro scale, because, we're just going to, I mean, it's like the abusive, you know, ex-husband or whatever. It's just like, you're going to just keep going back into the cycle. And I think you've established that we've, you know, we've been doing that enough. Yeah. So I do think in a cycle of abuse is a good analogy. And uh, I hope, mm-hmm. I hope uh, we can see the light here. Thank you for calling Cynthia. It's been great yeah, talking to you. Thanks for having me back. I miss you. I miss you too. <laughs> keep the faith and congratulations on your sensual relationship. Oh keep God. <laughs> All right. Take care. All right, Allende, what is on your mind this evening? Hey, Bree. So I, I just, um, I think a couple of hours ago, I finished watching the um, podcast. Um, and I think, like, I really like this one because, you know, I, I'm, I consider myself like a student of Richard Wolf because I've watched that many lecture hours of him talking. <laughs> um, and, like, I really, I, I feel like I've watched every one, right? And I feel like, like, when it comes to what he was saying and, like, what I'm getting from the MMT people is that, like, a lot of what he was talking about and what MMT people are talking about, like, there isn't, um... It's not as if they're mutually exclusive, his argument and what the MMT people were, like, tend to, like, you know, portray their beliefs. Um, because I, I don't want to speak as if I'm an expert on MMT, but I've been generally receptive to um, a lot of the arguments they've been making. And when it comes to um, the thing, like, Richard, Richard's, like, um, 
Ms. Dr. Wolf's um, perspective, that's actually the perspective I've had for a very long time. Like, I consider myself, like, whenever the Republicans talk about the deficit, it's like, the deficit so that we can cut Social Security, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the deficit so you can be poor, right? Mm-hmm. But the deficit as a concern seems like, so, like, when it comes to MMT, MM, MMT people, right, it, it, there might be this, like, from what I'm getting, it's like, okay, we have like a program that we wanna that we wanna fund, right? Is this program like good for people? Is it better than the money that we're spending on it? So spend the money, right? Basically. That's that's the gist I'm getting from MMT. Or that like, you know, these are like, you know, some some realization that this is not a that this is not the same thing as your bank your your like household spending and like these, you know, these dollars are different or whatever from, from the perspective of the U.S. government. Okay, great. But what I, what I, what I'm feeling and what I think, um, or what I'm getting from, like, um, his analysis and what I've been thinking over the years is that, like, it can't be a good thing to have a, a, a huge deficit. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it's true. That we it doesn't have to be the uh, like the the number one priority, right? Like if it's Medicare for all or a perfect deficit, right? Like we pick Medicare for all, but it can't be a good thing to have such a high such a high like debt. You know what I mean? And so if we're gonna have this debt and let like and we're we're acknowledging we're all acknowledging that it can't be a good thing, and we have all these perfectly good rich people with like sitting right there. Right? Like, why can't we do the easy thing? Like, why do we have to test whether or not, like, we can, like, the economy will be, will be fine with $100 trillion in U.S. debt? Like, why do we have to test that? Why can't we just, like, you know, tax the money? You know? Am I making sense? Look, my perspective was that if we're going to be making rhetorical arguments about how the debt means we can cut social, we need to cut social security, we should be making rhetorical arguments about how the debt means we should cut military spending. And I know that I feel like both Jonathans are not here for this. I just invited Jonathan Schmidt to speak to see if he wants to speak on that uh, and respond to you since he's almost next in line anyway. And we can maybe just kill two birds with one stone right here. So Jonathan with the yin yang. What do you, what do you, what do you say to Ayende here? Okay, is my coming through okay? Because I can switch devices if I'm not. So just let me know. But you're a little faint, but we can hear you. Go, I'll switch. I'll just be a second. How about now? Is that better? Perfecto. That's better. Okay. Uh, so if I were hypothetically have to. Uh, a language game where I was forced to describe the problem that we had using the language of household accounting, I could not do a better job than Richard Wolf did. Like, it's like, imagine trying to teach algebra to uh, an eighth grade class, but you weren't allowed to use numbers. It would be, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it would be actually kind of impressive in a way to pull that off. And that's what Richard Wolf did. Because, you know, he's like, you're like, explain to me why it's not household accounting. But then he goes on for like 30 minutes telling you about how you buy clothes with two, with credit cards and then you have to pay off the credit card with another credit card. And all that's true. 
And I was really impressed at how he got at the point that I would have tried to get at because sitting here and explaining how the whole thing works, it would be to make the point that he actually made, which is that fifth form of rent. You got rent, rent, interest, rent, uh, monopoly pricing power, rent, and uh, the surplus value of your labor, rent. So those are four rent extractions. But he got to the fifth one, which is asset appreciation, which is the way in the which the rich are paid off just for being rich. It's insane. They don't suffer for like the inflation like the rest of us what is a bond it's like inflation goes to five percent so they start to pay you five percent on your bonds it's when you turn your money into future money that doesn't suffer from inflation because they just pay you the difference and then there's a whole other facility called the repo facility that does the same exact thing to your stock portfolio imagine that there was a facility in washington dc for you brianna that whenever the, you know your money lost value because the cost of eggs went up it would just pay you the difference at the end of every, literally every day. If you're wealthy, that is a real thing. That's called the reverse repo. That's they just pay you what you lose. There's no risk if you have and then asset gain. So, I don't know. I, I I keep getting this this thing in my head about a game of tennis. Like, you can imagine any dialectic like it's a game of tennis, and either the ball goes back and forth and back and forth. But we get stuck in this false dialectics like these 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 it's like it doesn't matter who wins because you're playing the wrong sport on the wrong court, like playing volleyball somewhere else. and It doesn't even matter. I just kind of made that point once when I was talking about these people who are all. Oh, there's a gun problem. And then you come back and you're like, oh, no, it's a mental health problem. And then somebody will be like, oh, if it's a mental health problem, why didn't you fund mental health services? Oh, got them. And then the Vanguard boys will do a whole episode about somebody got ratioed. And it's like you just, okay, but you're, both of you are missing the fact that it's, in fact, an economic problem. And there's the difference in endemic and systemic. And you're always going to have a non-zero number of endemic gun violence, abortions, homeless people, etc. But if they're systemic, they're coming from manufactured scarcity. There's nothing else going on than manufactured scarcity. Why do we have waste more than anybody else? We manufacture so much and nobody has enough because they manufacture scarcity so they can keep fleecing rents from you. You know, so another like the real dialectic, it, it, the false one would be like on the, on the conservative, the, the neocon Republicans want to trickle money down through the private sector so that everybody can afford an ever-increasing cost of living. The neoliberal Democrats want to trickle money down, at least in rhetorically, nominally a little bit more through the public sector so everybody can afford an increasing cost of living. But they're based on the same assumption. The assumption is that the cost of living, even Nixon understood, even Nixon understood this, that the cost of living going up, that's just sort of a, an assumption, a background assumption, like it's a mutable law of nature that the sort of Damocles, that is an increase in cost of living, will go up prohibitively year over year over year. That just, and if without this massive micromanaging, people will just fall out the bottom of society. But that's okay, a bunch Jonathan, of bullshit. I got I to stop you because I don't know how responsive you're being to Ayende's question. Oh, I'm here, sorry. Which... You, go ahead. Yeah, What's might, the exact I, question? I almost, I almost butted in because um, it wasn't being answered. But like if, you know... I just accepting everything that, you know, the MNT mindset as true, right? Okay. Is the deficit being is the deficit being higher? Like it I mean the the debt being higher, right? Is that is that is that necessarily a good thing or or rather if you if you have the choice between taxing 
taxing rich people to not have a to not have a deficit versus I mean a debt like a, a large debt versus like not taxing them and having a large debt isn't it just generally better not to have the debt you know like is is the debt of itself a concern at all period no it is not there is only the the thing you need to balance is is the is the number of dollars in existence what you need to balance is the purchasing power of the dollar the 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 budget is sign of an illusion it's not real. It's sort of a thing to give them something to talk about. You know, give them something to talk about. Talk about. It's it's to give you something to talk about. Like in order to accept that a thing is true or false, you have to accept that it makes sense. But the perennial debt ceiling argument is gibberish. But, it's but just this is, gibberish. Masquerading as language. Forget forget the debt ceiling for a second. Let's just talk about the national debt. Forget this like artificial political cliff. Just the fact of they're having a huge national debt and the fact of so many countries owning these treasury bonds. Yeah, Jonathan one and you know said that that just like doesn't matter. Those countries don't have any power. There's no coercive power. There's no obligation. There's no problem there. There's no conflict of interest that's created by all of these people owning U.S. Treasury bonds. And I guess I'm struggling to understand how that could be the case. If it well, doesn't if, mean anything, then why would they buy it? And if it does mean something, how do we not owe them? Well, it means it means something. When those bonds come to maturity, they will turn into dollars. A, a treasury bond is like a jack in the box, and when it hits expiry, poof, like dollars come out, and that's just basically future dollars. So it, it oh, it's so, go so, ahead. So one one thing that like I remember I, I, some MMT lady, right? I remember it's like some woman who was on um what's his name uh. Uh, the the comedy guy, um, Stephanie Kelton. Is it Stephanie Kelton? Might be here. Um, she so she on John Stewart, she, yeah. Yeah, on John Stewart. Yes. So she she um had said um what is it? Public deficits is equal to private savings, right? Something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And if private savings, right, right? Like yes, that's true. But if private savings is mostly in the hands of like the rich, right? Like if we're talking bonds, securities, stocks, whatever it may be, if it's mostly in their hands or disproportionately so that it's in their hands, right? Isn't it the case that yes, it's true that um, public deficits is private savings or whatever, but like doesn't that mean that um, when when that is occurring, you're you are benefiting the rich? So wouldn't it be the case that like unless it's unless it's the case that um, private savings is all in the hands of like like let's say majority the you know, the, the bottom 50% or like, you know, the bottom 70%, like, you know, average everyday people, like, unless that's the case, doesn't that mean that you're, that having a debt, right, of any kind is privileging or helping out rich people more than you should when you can just tax them? Yes. Yes. It, it that, yeah, that, that is what it means. And it's sort of like a plumbing system where when the people who work for a living, all they get is what accidentally leaks out. And at least before 1971, it it was there was a certain amount that purposefully leaked out. It's like it's like you have to pay off this debt with monetary, like so. There's monetary and fiscal policy, and they both of them create money. But both of them, oh, when when they create money, there's more owed than they make. One is called the coupon rate. One is called the federal funds rate, right? But in both cases, you're like, oh, where are we supposed to get the money to pay off the debt from monetary policy? Oh, you're supposed to go to fiscal policy to get that money. Oh, okay, but where do we get the money to pay off fiscal policy? Oh, we go to monetary policy to pay off that money. So it's like a shell game at the top. 
And then the, another place you could go is a trade surplus, but we haven't had that since the 80s, uh, about 40 years ago. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to, uh, DJ, look, it seems like I heard you agree that it is, it is having the debt is bad because it help, it gives freebies to rich people or what have you. Richard Wolf is saying something about us having to pay interest on that debt, so it just makes everything more expensive. There seems to be like a lot of reasons. Plus, there's the obvious benefit. Oh, just- I get. Okay, I get what you're saying. Like, you're like, is that that bad or not? Is what right, you're like. Asking. We just want to know. Like, the MMT people, if I could just like really be basic, seem to be saying, "Well, money's not real. We can MMT our way out of this anyway. Why are we? Pre- you shouldn't be preoccupied with the debt or think about it at all. There's actually no problem with running up an infinitely high debt." Like, there's no problem. The problem it seems is to we, me the fact that we, we are not MMTing it. Like, I understand that hypothetically we could print the coin and MMT it away, but we are not, in fact, doing that. Instead, we are selling the debt all over the world. The and, problem and is that, we, we print the money and we give it to rich people. And that's it, it, we always have uh, money to give to rich people, but we never have money to give to poor people. So it and seems to me both of that, those things are debt. But you could run up debt to give it to poor people, and it wouldn't be a problem. And so it seems to me if that's going on, then regardless of whether or not there's legitimate MMT, I mean, regardless of the legitimate MMT arg- arguments, having a big national debt is a problem, and we can use that quote unquote problem to both argue for MMT, but also argue for taxing the rich because there's other benefits of taxing the rich, right? You, it's a right. democracy, prevents them from interfering with elections. It, it limits their power. It limits their ability to lobby politicians. Like there's, there's reasons why we want to do wealth taxes even outside of – it's not for revenue-generating reasons. It's for limiting power reasons. Yeah, it, it's for it's for stymieing the inequality itself, which is its own problem in and of itself, and it's for it not allowing that fifth form of rent to be. It, it's it's a term called economic rent that you can Google, but it's basically it's a non-productive way of making money that's just harmful that it even exists at all. And a sort of wealth tax undoes that a little bit. And you asked Richard Wolf, you're like, can we tax our way? Is that a solution? He said, I don't know. It's definitely 50% of the solution, but you have to squeeze this balloon from two sides, the top and the bottom. The top down solution is a land, as a land, I would do land value at the state level and wealth at the, at the federal level. And there are reasons for that. I'm not going to go into them right now, but that's the top down solution. And the bottom up solution is universal basic services. That you basically alleviate the cost of living. Go ahead. What? Love that land. I love that land value tax note. By the way, just agree. Right. Yeah. I've gone back and forth on it rather than wealth versus land value, but I'm going back to land value recently, just for like really practical reasons, not even like high lofty theory reasons. Just like you know that thing where you're in Oregon and you want to like not pay corporate taxes, so you go open up or you rent a little shop in Texas, which is really just one room at the bottom floor of a big building that's empty and there's nobody in there, but you can say that your headquarters is in Texas, right? So you pay no corporate taxes. You know what you cannot do? You can't pick up a big tract of Oregonian land and move it to Texas. It's a set of GPS coordinates. It's like, you just can't do that. And you can't like forego your national citizenship to try to dodge it as a tax either. It doesn't matter. If you're China and you're buying up land in san francisco if you own that land you're going to pay for the san franciscans roads and the schools and whatever it is because that's where most of that stuff comes from is state level stuff anyway okay all right all right i appreciate you both 
I'm, I gotta get out of here um, at the two hour mark and there's so many people in the queue. I'm going to try to run through some people real quick, but I hope that was responsive somewhat. I and I really appreciate you weighing in with your expertise, Jonathan. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Hit me with questions if you want uh, and a or whoever I'll try to be as specific as I can. All right. Thanks guys. Keep the faith. Okay. Um, I'm going to go to um, Josh real quick. First time caller. What's on your mind tonight, Josh? Oh my God! Hey Bree. Hey, I know you've been in the queue a few times and never made it up. I, so I wanted to get you in here. What's on your mind? I have. I can't even believe I'm talking to you right now. Um, but I've been a fan of yours for about like three years, and I just love your work. I think that you're a brilliant human being, and you have a very brilliant. Oh, no, they, they cut him off because he was telling me I was brilliant too much, and, and the man didn't like it. <laughs> Can you Josh, you still here? Oh, there you go. Yeah. Sorry, my timer went off because I was like, I need to check in with Colin. Um, <laughs> but basically, I just wanted to say that you're just, like, so smart, and I really do hope that eventually you run for president. I've talked to you in the um, – in the um what's it called in patreon um app before but anyway Mm. what i wanted to talk to you about like really quickly is um so one thing to add on to what they were talking about before um i actually had a girlfriend who's like a friend um whose boyfriend is super wealthy and another thing that he said that he does to get wealthy is that when people don't pay their taxes the rich actually buy your your or they pay for your taxes basically, and then they get paid interest as well. So that is definitely something that's happening in addition to um, just like footing the bill for like the U.S.'s debt. Uh, maybe that is what they were talking about, um, what um, he was talking about, Wolf was talking about in the podcast, but that's something mm. that I've heard. And then um, I also wanted to just like talk about Israel a little bit. Mm-hmm. I happen to be half Jewish and I know that um, not everyone is aware, but if you are Jewish or half Jewish, you actually get to go to Israel for free mm-hmm. um, on a trip. And I, you know, although I'm very far left and the country is very conservative, I thought to myself, why not go and just be like undercover, you know, and just kind of like go and explore like <laughs> I what. I, I, I would love to go. I don't, I think it's perfectly worth going and visiting. Yeah. I mean, I definitely as well. I yeah. We weren't allowed to visit any of that stuff. Um, really? but they, yeah, we weren't allowed to visit any of that stuff, but they definitely are just so conservative. They actually, what I wanted to say is that, when I was on the trip, it became very clear to me that the whole point of the trip is actually like a propaganda um, mm. for Jewish Americans. And something that um, Max Blumenthal actually mentioned was he made a tweet that Anna Kasparian like tried to make fun of. And she said, or he said something along the lines of like, Jews are safer than ever. And Anna was trying, although I used to love Anna, I don't really like her anymore, especially after the force to vote stuff. But, um, basically what he was saying is that Jews are safer than ever. And as a Jewish person, I have to say that learning in AP Euro, you know, how Jews were persecuted throughout history, whether it be the bubonic plague or, 
you know, the Spanish Inquisition or the Holocaust, it definitely has been really bad. And although it might be bad now where there's shootings at synagogues and stuff like that, it's nowhere near what it used to be. And so I do think that they are safer. And it is true what Max was saying, although I don't really know all of Max's politics and I don't want to say that I agree with everything. I do think that it is true that Jews are safer in a lot of ways and that Israel basically thrives on making Jews feel unsafe. So that way they have to move there, feel inclined to move there and basically settle there and populate it. So that way it makes it harder to undo the country of Israel, if that makes sense. Um, So that was like something that I wanted to mention. Um, And also just that like Israel, obviously, I don't follow too much of Israel politics, but something that I think is really fascinating is the protests that are happening of Israelis in the streets against the far right, which I'm hopeful of, you know, because I I do think that sometimes we characterize Israelis as all having that kind of belief, but I don't believe that they're all, you know, pro-settler, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we've got our very own homegrown fave neoliberal tears here in the chat who's Israeli and a real comrade. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, um, I, look, I've had this conversation with Marianne. I, like, Look, first of all, sorry, I got unplugged. First of all, I'll say that you don't have to. I think that I have I have a lot of sympathy and respect for the feeling of kind of lack of safety and you kind of like personal precarity that Jewish people feel. Some Jewish people feel at least given the proximity of the Holocaust and the long history of persecution. I have a lot of sympathy for it. And I don't necessarily think you have to make an argument about whether or not there are still risks or threats to Jewish people to come to a decision of how you feel about Israel or Israeli policy. Mm -hmm. Because a conversation that I've had with some Jewish friends is, you know, because I I have a lot of empathy, frankly, as a black American. And there's an argument that I can make that says, well, the only way I could be truly safe as a black American, I have no homeland. I am from a race of people that was basically created through slavery. I have no ties in, in Africa or anything like that. You know, I don't know literally where I came from. Couldn't, couldn't go back there if I tried. So, you know, Should I be making an argument that the only way for me to be truly safe is to have my own country where only black Americans have the highest level of rights under the law Mm -hmm. and any black American is allowed to move there without a second of thought, but the indigenous people, wherever this country is set up, don't have those same rights. Mm -hmm. And you know, what, 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 why is it that we have this conception of the only way that Jewish people can be safe as having this kind of explicitly religious state? Ethno state. Yeah. Ethno, yeah. yeah. And we don't necessarily feel the same way about other groups despite horrible things having happened. Yeah. Millions of people who were killed in the Congo. I mean, go, go, go down a list of genocides and horrors across the world. Not saying they're all commensurate or equal in gravity, but there's been a lot of really bad shit that's gone down for sure. Yeah. And I, I struggle with that. I've I've argued <laughs> with people about this or just try to moot it out. And I do feel like in a lot of ways, the Jews were picked 
to have their own country because they're white for the most part, right? Like, I do think that there is like a colorism to the fact that for some reason, the Allies after World War II decided to do this. And of course, the British owned that area. They actually... And, and they it's also because of anti-Semitism. Like, nobody yeah. wanted to let the Jewish people come to their countries either. No, it's true. They actually were rejected from, like, pretty much all the countries after even after, after the Holocaust. Right. They were kind of turned away. So I totally agree. I was going to say, too, like, I just recently watched a really good um, podcast episode with Crystal and Kyle, and they were talking about this. And... um I encourage everyone to go listen to that as well, because it was really, I mean, I already know a lot of this stuff, but it just is a great reminder. Um, But speaking of them, I was actually going to tell you, I was waiting to tell you this last week, but I didn't make it on. Um, I actually had, I think I told you a long time ago on Patreon, actually, I messaged you, but I had a dream that we talked like, and then I told you about it on Patreon and you're like, oh, that's crazy. (laughs) And then just last week, I had another dream that I was telling you that I saw Crystal and Kyle, like I was dreaming and then I had another dream like later on that <laughs> night and I was FaceTiming with you and I was talking to you. So it's like super trippy to be talking to you right now. Cause I'm like, am I dreaming? But, um, <laughs> <You're so funny. laughs> but anyway, it was definitely um, a pleasure talking with you. And the other, the last things that I wanted to tell you um, or I wanted to ask you is if you watch Emily in Paris is just like fun questions. A hundred percent. I are obviously you team, watched. Are you team Alfie or are you French chef? Here's the thing. Alfie's obviously a snack. He's, in real world, yeah. <laughs> in terms of my personal aesthetic, Alfie all the way. Yeah. However, they have they have this inconvenient thing called personalities on the show. <laughs> yeah. And characters and Alfie, you know. He's not as well written as the kind of strong, silent chef. Yes. This the steamy, like brooding, like a kind of you know forbidden love type of situation. Yes, come on! Like it, they, they set Alfie up. They set my man yeah, Alfie they, up. They did. They Alfie did didn't stand sure. a chance. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so, I okay, guess so the last things that I want to say is that I would really love to see a podcast with you and Adrian Lawrence. I don't know if you're a fan of hers, but I think that would be, I don't know what you guys would disagree about. Lawrence. She's on TYT sometimes, but I think that she's not super close minded. She's like really smart. She's also a lawyer. How do I know um, that? Let me look on Twitter. Do I? Do you know her handle? I don't I just know her name is Adrian Lawrence but she's on like I said she's on TYT and whenever she's on she does have I think her handle at the bottom she does the overruled on TYT I've actually stopped watching TYT as much ever since the whole force the vote thing just because I've been super turned off by the way that they not only treated you but just treated the entire cause because obviously it's if you're a true leftist that's kind of like why wouldn't you but um and then the other thing is that I really, I think I mentioned it to you on Patreon a while ago, but if you ever were able to track down Daniel Folk, I went to Humboldt State up north in California and he was my poli-sci teacher and he really like, I don't want to say radicalized, but he really opened up, I think, a lot of students' eyes to the way that the world really works and the way that politics really works. And I think that having him on would be um, really amazing as well. David Folk? Like folk music? Daniel Folk, I think. Oh, Daniel Folk. Okay. Yeah, like F A U L K. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. And what from what school you said? He went. He was teaching at Humboldt State. Humboldt. He State. was like always. Yeah, he was always. Oh, super, I remember this. Remember yeah, you do. This. Yeah, I did. Yes, yes, yes. Um, okay. Super he eccentric. Yeah, I don't know if you've not been able to get a hold of him because he does have like a hotmail. Like, I don't know if he's even. I don't. I don't quite remember what what happened with that, but I'll definitely follow up. I appreciate it. Well. Thank you so, so much, Brie. I honestly, I love you so much, even though I don't know you, but <laughs> I <laughs> look so forward to, I look I'm... forward to hearing you more uh, every week. Thanks for calling in, Josh. I hope next time it doesn't take you so long to get through. Keep don't the faith. worry. About I, it. I appreciate you. Don't worry about it. Have a great night. You too. All right. You guys have been, are being such maniacs about getting me to call from on Maggie. First of all, Maggie wasn't even in the queue for most of this as y'all were screaming for me to call on Maggie. And now I'm looking again and I don't see her again. Besides which, you know that I go one from the front, one from the middle, and I have very mixed feelings about you guys asking me to cut people in line. As much as we all want to hear from Maggie, you guys are being kind of ridiculous. So Jam knows it's his turn next. And do I want to call in K-City QB because he's been on vacation and I want to tell him how much I've been missing his clips? Yes, but I'm, I'm suppressing that urge in the interest of fairness. Do I want to call on Mark and Aaron and Dirk because I've never seen their faces before and I like to call in a new caller? Yes. Do I want to call on Socialist? Question mark Because his name is Socialist? Question mark. Socialist? I have questions. Okay. Yes. But there's a system here and I feel like, like it's just, I'm trying to be equitable. Do I want to call on Adrian? Cause I love to shout Adrian, you know, I do. So what, like, what do you want from me? I have, I just got, don't, don't at me, but I just got an Apple watch. My watch is telling me that I only have 55 minutes to close my rings and I'm nowhere close. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do right now? What do you want me to do about this? Hmm? Hmm? Let, let, me, let me just ask Jam right quick what he thinks we should do about this whole situation. What's, what's on your mind tonight, Jam? Don't put it on me. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't win. <laughs> you can't break even. <laughs> You know what? You're right. I'm going to bring, okay, here's what, here's what I'm about to do. I'm about to bring case study up to be in the speaker queue. We're all just going to, we're all just going to be in this together. This is about to be a party. Oh, Socialist queue, I don't know you, but you're coming up too. I'm, I'm intrigued. Where'd Maggie go? Is Maggie in this queue or not? Maggie's out here playing games. I don't know where Maggie went. Maggie doesn't know what she wants. Okay. This is what we're doing. Okay. Chat, let's just let's just bring oh question question mark socialism question mark fled he said i want no part of these shenanigans <laughs> all right okay let's do this what's what's on y'all's mind what's up what's happening what's going on brie can you hear me i can hear you case wow much love to you thank you uh, it's good to be missed i had I, I dropped my phone in the pool. I went on a, a mini cruise, and that devastated me for a little while. But I just had my oh, – I got no. a new phone, thankfully, the last two days. So I'm I'm good. But I got – man, there's so much to say. Thank you for bringing me up real quick. Um, I, I just – first, I want to say that um, Bernie, I did just cut a clip, I think a day or two, and he did mention Medicare for All. So I do need – um, Wonderful. I do need the squad to get on his level, though, as far as – 
always having Medicare for all in their mouths. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Bernie, he's always good for that. He will always drop a Medicare for all whenever he talks about anything. Um, yeah. The other thing is D was so entertaining. I had to text Day and say, hey, you got to rewatch this <laughs> debrief because that whole half an hour with, with D was entertainment gold. And I promise I will not be clipping it. And <laughs> You're actually going to get me in trouble on the, on the bird app case. <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't do it. Um, and can I promote something real quick? And then I'll let whoever, met, whoever else wants to talk. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm going to be, I'm very super excited about interviewing Kashama uh, Sawant. She, somebody on her team uh, like reached out to me and I, I have a mini channel that's kind of defunct right now, but she wants to be interviewed by me. So I said, sure. So this Tuesday, uh, February 7th, and I have a lot of, I, I'm a strategy guy. So I'm going to be talking to her a lot about strategy. And also um, I've, I'm really curious about who's going to replace her on from the socialist alternative side from the city council, or maybe she just, they are literally not going to place a socialist alternative person, which will be super disappointing. And mm. I'll definitely talk to her about that if that's the case. Cause I think that we should be building up leaders, right. In the socialist alternative mm -hmm. or DSA, whatever it is, we should always be having the bench, but anyway, and then the last thing is mutualaidparty.org. I'm, I'm about to launch that really soon. It's a mutual aid hub where anybody can put in a ticket. Hey, I need help mowing my lawn. And then, anybody can answer that ticket and um, I'm going to be encouraging mutual aid organizations to join and create teams and, and stuff like that. But anyway, I'm going to stop talking now. No, that's wonderful. I, I'm so excited about your interview. I completely agree with you around building up more, you know, you know, pe leaders and people who are empowered within socialist alternative, exciting stuff. We missed you case. Also case. I am about to DM you about some producer stuff as well. So stay tuned, and if I don't follow up, uh, kick me. Ooh, very. Because <laughs> I'd be forgetting about stuff. But it's good to hear from you, Case. All right. It's a free-for-all. People, say, say your piece, Jam, what's on your mind? I saw his socialist cue. He found his nerve. He came back up here. <laughs> Israel in the streets. I just wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to uh, talk to you about, um, uh, well, first of all, fun thing, going to karaoke on uh, Saturday I want to get your should I do I'm going down by uh, Mary J. Blige mm -hmm. or should I do Eddie Murphy um, party all the time? I want to know your um, input on that one first. Who are you going with? I'm going with my wife and sister. Well, I was going to say I'm going down when you said you're going with your wife and then you're saying going with your sister and then I was going to go for party all the time. Because like if you're going with like a friendly... If you're single, I'm going down as just hilarious. Like, <laughs> if you're in a relationship, you can crew it, you know, kind of ask someone. But, like, otherwise, maybe you want to, like, a fun, like, an upbeat vibe. Like, get the whole room bouncing and dancing. Plus, Eddie Murphy's in the news right now, obviously, because of this Jonah Hill movie. And also, did you know that Eddie Murphy's daughter and um, Martin Lawrence's son are engaged? I did not know that. They are engaged, and they, the two of them, the fathers put out this clip about um, joking about who's going to pay for the wedding. <laughs> and people were like, they need to make this into a movie. Like, this yes. scenario needs to be, like, father-in-law the movie. Been loving that duo since the movie Life. 
Like, so that, that, Can that, I tell you, I just watched Life like two weekends ago. Uh, see, this is why you need, that's why we got to hurry up and record your episode for the show. I just recorded an episode today, too. So, okay, I'm, let me, I need to follow up with you, too. Everyone needs to kick me because I'm. <laughs> but, like, I was like, I was not trying to watch Life. You know, the yeah. person I was hanging out with wanted to watch Life. And I was like, they were like, no, it'll be fun. And I was like, no, this is a sad movie. It's disguised <laughs> as a comedy. It is. This is it a got sad a lot movie, of and we're going to be pissed yeah. off at the end and sad. And lo and behold, I was obviously correct. <laughs> you ain't like it at the end, though. They, well, no, I, I get it. They spent whole fucking life in jail. They spent their whole fucking life in jail. But like, they did. Like, they, I, I like how, like, how, they, how they get out at the end. And, and, they get to go and, to a baseball um, game at age 95. Yeah. Hurrah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It is a tragedy. Like the first time that movie's like being was like being billed to people, but it's it's weird how much heart and how serious that movie can fucking get. <laughs> no, but that movie was sad as hell. I was in my feelings. I was very. You were like you were like oh jingle line jingle line. No, I was not like you ain't some cornbread. <laughs> no, by the time that cornbread scene is like one tenth of the way into their incarceration. Yeah. Like this is Raise boom boom room. Oh no 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 I did it for you. No. No. Because <laughs> I remembered that it was not going to end well. There's no by the time look, by the time they're like by the time it's like the nineteen seventies, by the time um Martin Lawrence drives the warden into town mm-hmm. and he gets out of the car and looks around and sees everybody with like afros and bell bottoms and it's like a whole other era than when he went in in like nineteen thirty three. Yeah. And it's so depressing, and he realizes he, like he could drive off, but like, with you know, what is he gonna do? He has no money. He doesn't understand the world anymore, and so he dutifully goes back to prison. I have no, I don't have no need for this movie after this. this is, <laughs> these men are broken. It's too, this too is real tragic. This is not a comedy. This is horrible. It's, you at least gotta, you can at least appreciate the solidarity, and I'll be the pappy. I, I, I'm the pappy boss. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get bring out like so. Cause it is like one of the like the big. Look, like, I'm I'm, I'm here for Bernie like Mac, who delivered mm-hmm. that line in the most hilarious way possible. <laughs> but also, that makes me sad because I rip Bernie Mac. Yeah, you you, you get you can't begin to sad over stuff. <laughs> you gotta you gotta look you gotta look at the brighter side. So that's the that's the reason I wanted to call in too was um talk about uh, so much like pessimism. And uh, everything that's uh, especially like Afro pes- uh, pessimism and like just other like pessimism like on the left, mm-hmm. I feel like um, it's it's a lot of it, and we we um, we tend to overlook like some of the good things, especially like on like the local the local level, all our wins and stuff uh, going on. And I feel like us talking about some of our um, some of our wins like on the left on the local level, we should we should really like highlight that how we, to to push Democrats more more to our side as well as um. Republicans and like try to like break out of so much of conventional political uh, wisdom, like thinking about states as just like red states, blue states. Like I'm in Kentucky right now, but and we got one of like the most popular Democratic governors like in the co- in the country, mm-hmm. you know. And like looking at the politics of like Florida, like once it, once you put something on a ballot initiative, it's always going to more left leaning, you know, um, mm-hmm. more left leaning things, and and once just give people ideas of like shit to do. Like to get for like direct action, like something that you can people can do, like um, like in everyday lives right now, like so people get politically activated, is then they'll do more, you know, like more shit to start seeing results. 
Like, um, just wanted to bring up the quick story and I'm hop off. Like some shit that happened in the uh, Detroit, like a long time ago, like in the Down River area. It's like two other like suburban, like suburbs of Detroit, um, and it's, uh, they're prim- um, primarily like uh, black, like River Ridge and um, Ecorse. And they, the area, it was um, there's like a border, like right on the border uh, to Detroit, but it was too far for um, for like the people to get to get to um, a bus stop that was. Uh, that was uh, primarily like uh, to go through Detroit to get people like to downtown to go to work. Mm-hmm. So the people of the two neighborhoods got together, went to the um, Detroit uh, City Council, and like hounded them to put a bus a bus line through to go outside like the city limits into you know like into um, both like uh, both of the neighborhoods so we can like to get people to uh, get to downtown so they can go to work and everything. And that's like something direct action you know that people that people can do. You know, so if people really want to like see actual like positive like, positive change more so immediately, like get like a group of I don't know how many people you might want, like five to ten, fifteen or twenty people, like try to get a stop sign somewhere and shit. You know, just so you can see like how your how your votes and how your um like voice can actually make a uh, make a difference and everything. That can get get people more politically like motivated to actually like do shit. Yeah, I'm 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 here for you and your proactive action and your optimism and your you know tasting movies i find it hard to be pessimistic like as like i get like i get all like the pessimistic shit like you know before i got real what you talk about all like the racist shit you know that i've been through and everything like the real like life-threatening like racist shit and everything and and seeing how how being like um how like school systems and everything like depress us like and shit but just looking, just looking back in history, looking at my own, looking at my older, like older people in my family, seeing, seeing how their reality is so fucking different, like from mine, you know, and seeing just under, just understanding like the leaps and bounds, the changes mm-hmm. that, you know, like that we've made. Yeah. It's, it Look, makes them hard to be pessimistic. I, I really agree with that. I do think that one of the things that sometimes liberals do and some leftists do is to, in, in an effort to make an argument about how much needs to be changed and how much things need to get better. Will mm-hmm. fall into this trap of saying like nothing's changed ever, and I Republicans so seize much. on that, and they're like, a, Repub- a conservative will say we've made so so many strides, you know, it's not the 1960s anymore, and a mm-hmm. and a and a leftist or liberal will be like, no, it's <laughs> <And laughs> just <so> ridiculous, <laughs> exactly. like it's obviously not 1960, like exactly. that you, you don't lose anything, you don't you don't lose your ability to argue all the things that are still wrong just by acknowledging. That some progress is made since 19. Now, not everything. Like I had this conversation with Charlie Kirk. I was like, some things. I mean, I can make a case about all the things that are still the same. I can make a case that even though de jure segregation doesn't exist, people are as segregated in terms of where they live de facto as they were in 1960s. Mm-hmm. Schools are as segregated as they were in 1960s, even though it's not by law. Like I can make the case for all of that stuff being true. But I'm also mm-hmm. not going. It, it also is relevant that is there's no more legal segregation. It is relevant exactly. that. The things that are constraining you are different now than they were then. It's still a problem, but like we don't mm. have to pretend like someone's like shouting "boy" at my uncle and telling him to get off the sidewalk when he crossed. Like we don't have to pretend mm. it's like literally 1960. It's disrespectful to me too. Like it's disrespectful yeah. to people that like work yeah. like so hard to fucking change that reality. I agree. You I know, agree. like I'm not worried about no fucking lynch mobs anymore. You know, right? Like that, unless, it, it, unless your name is Mike Pence. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, and, I'll, I'm sorry. and I'll allegedly slide on Charlie Kirk for you too. Just saying, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm be, be a respectful everybody's time. Um, 
hit me back oh like on twitter's for like till we can uh, get up for the show for the uh, like the black uh, movie show i did like yeah. these four episodes i'm shooting for february um of uh, 17th of release i got like five episodes down i just recorded for uh, the best man today somebody picked that movie and so that was really fun are you watching the new tv show i am not like this um i haven't seen the best man for like a long time this is my first time we were watching it i only seen like bits and pieces of holiday you so, haven't wow. seen best man holiday i know like i've watched Crickland for the first time because of the show um i i thought it was a Crickland. i'm thinking crime in brooklyn not at all what the fucking movies is about. yeah no. like so like that no, that was that threw me but uh, you, was, you was, need to see time. best man holiday yeah my is, it's legitimately good yeah, I mean, like, I'm a I'm a huge fucking Neil Long fan, and people watching the show, like at least like four of the movies I've done so far got Neil Long in it, and I am Good. a huge listen. Like that's hey, correct, right? Neil Long come around, I might fold. Just saying, like it's it's real, <laughs> <laughs> it's real. I told my wife before, hey, like Neil come along, I'm, I'm folding like laundry, fresh. Well, watch. <laughs> she looks great. I mean, she's dating. Neil Long is better with age. Put her with that. I'm sorry. I said, Nia Long's getting better with age. That's crazy. Well, she's, that's what I was going to say. She's looking real good in Best Man Holiday. And they put her with that yes. um, that white man that cheated on Leanne Ryan. No, cheated on Randy you, Man no, Maryville. She, oh, my God. Leanne you know Ryan's Nia husband? With yes. She, oh, my God. Nia Long's the truth because it was the only time when she got cheated on, it was the only time all of black Twitter came together. <laughs> like, no. Like, that's some <laughs> bullshit. It's I've true. never seen that much unity <laughs> like all, on the cheating scandal. It's Do cheat on me alone. All right, Jam. Thank you for <laughs> calling in. I will follow up with you. Maggie Socialist, I got it. Look, I now only have 40, 39 oh. minutes to hit my steps. So, like, I need you guys to just to <laughs> say some things, and then we got to bounce. Okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. I have a, <laughs> I have a plan. Here is my plan. Okay. And um, we get, this has nothing to do with Marianne. She can do whatever she wants with the Dem Party. It doesn't matter. Here is what it is. We get an entire crew, as many as we can, three, four, five, six, seven, eight folks who don't want to be politicians, have no interest in it, but they have the positions we like. Some are a little bit more towards the Jimmy Dore type of personality. One could be you. One could be Max Blumenthal. Um, Blumenthal, we could have Max Alvarez, uh, Cornell West, uh, Thomas Frey, any of them. And what we do is we make right in, um, oh, can, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. We make them write in candidates because there's only like seven or eight states where you can't be a write in for POTUS. Yeah. And we simply work on it openly while everybody else is worried about the primary. We don't care about it. We have plenty of time to jump through the hoops for everybody, pay the requisite fines, get on the ballot. Some states have no requirements, like nine of them, uh, just a timely nesting. And others have little, you know, eyes dot administrative stuff. Wouldn't be hard to do. We may fundraise to get enough to pay those fees, but the whole point is it's all for one and one for all, and we're just there. All we need to do is exist on the ballot. Some may like uh, Max Alvarez. Some may like Max Blumenthal. Some may like you. Some may like... doesn't matter which one of us we pick. 
But guess what? That is where our leverage comes in. So after the DNC, uh, quote, orchestrates uh, the uh, win of its selection and installation, right, and orchestrates the loss of whoever it doesn't want, well, we don't, we're not uh, under them. We don't care. We're just right here. And we're enough that we're just here. We're, we, we all agree that it's all for one, one for all. And we want concession. You afraid that our votes voting for one of us, three of us, four, will take away votes from the Dem? Well, what are you going to give us right now? Tell us what you'll give us and then we'll all drop out or none of us drop out. We've got these six names, seven names, ten names on the ballot. And people can pick whichever one of us they like. We don't care. But know what it is? Tell us what you'll do now. Or we're here and we will take votes from you. And either you make it known to the whole wide world that you don't give a crap that the Republicans win because deep down you're all status quo preserving corporatists. You serve the same donors. You enrich and advance yourselves the same way. And good cops, bad cops both want to prosecute you. They both want to take you down. One may bring you water and a stick of gum, and the other one may slap you around. But at the end of the day, they all want to get something on you, and they're not in your best interest. So you want us all to drop out? Okay, what will you give us? Unlike running under DNC auspices that control every single aspect of a campaign, every single, the order of things. Yes, you can have the thing that they're doing in New Hampshire and having their, you know, we're used to being the first one. But at the end of the day, this is a private business. And as the court decide, I mean, it was all in a colloquial because, you know, standing, blah, blah, blah. But you can't force a private business to follow their own internal rules. We do not have standing to make them do that. So if they don't want to have debates because they don't consider it an open primary because Biden's running, they won't hold debates. There'll be no big platform for anybody. We are weird enough with our posse of uh, we don't care. We're not we're not campaigning. We're not raising money. We're not taking money from anybody maybe to get some, you know, the I's dotted, like I said, the filing fees to get on all these uh, ballots. But all we have to do is exist. Nobody has to run around. We can have like five, six things we all agree with that, you know, what will you give us? Will you meet these demands? Mm -hmm. And then we will all drop out or none of us drop out. That will get on the news because it's weird as, what does a kid say? Weird as F. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Maggie, I, I love the idea of holding votes hostage, and I love the idea of using, you know, writing campaigns to do it. I don't know much about, you know, the logistics of getting on the ballot, but I, I think that that's great. And We've got lots like, of time. If I need a posse and a crew, of course, and help, because, and then first we need people that will do it. But the reason it might be fun is because nobody has to go out and, and stomp Nobody has to get on there and stomp that we are stump. Mm-hmm. We just um, we're just there. The whole point is our leverage is on the ballot. And while everybody's doing the primary, we're just making noise about filling out and completing our stuff. Yeah, I mean, the there thing is, is yeah, it has to be a credible threat, right? There, yeah, the well, the credible to... threat is the people that will never, ever. The credible threat is our existence on the ballot. Well, we would pose you know, Maggie, the, the, yeah. there has to be 
there has to you have to be able to threaten the Democratic Party. You have to be able to threaten that enough people are actually going to vote for you. Well, the thing is, be able to steal an election or, or throw an election. Right? No, understood. But here's the thing. Look how they panic about the Greens. They sue to get them off ballots, for heaven's sake. The point on this is, if we've got a crew, we don't even have to have one person be liked. We offer a whole panoply, a whole buffet of leftists, true leftists with policies. We're not talking about anything. It's just going to be, we all agree all for one or, or one for all. Here's these things we agree with and we'll, we're staying in till we get the concessions or not. And the thing is, they don't have to like, oh, I'm not going to because I don't like Thomas Frank. I'm making this up. I don't want to. I don't like Cornell West. They're all on there. I, so I understand, Maggie, and I'm, I'm completely on board. I'm just saying that, like, if you you're saying you don't have to, to stump, but you like they'll just I mean, ignore there, there are writing candidates and all kind of kind of kooky yeah, yeah. randoms all over the place. And nobody knows about them and nobody, nobody cares. Because there's no one going to vote for them, so there's no reason to pay attention to them. So you still the, you still need people who would yeah, ordinarily yeah. Like oh, register yeah, yeah. voters who would ordinarily vote for Democrats to say that they're going to vote for the alternative. Unless These are the Dem exiters. They're already not voting for Democrats, and when they understand our platform, these are already Dem exiters. The rest can stay and deal with whoever's uh, primarying Biden or stay with Biden. What You're absolutely right in terms of we have to get the word out, which I just wasn't considering the same as, as going state to state and shaking hands. We need a okay. massive online presence for sure. But if people come out and they want to start doing the trashing that I've seen some of the left capable of, it won't matter. They trash one, there's still nine others. What are they going to do? It's going to look suspect when every single person, that, and especially if they're people that people have known as media figures online, in quote, you know, true left media, if they're those people, it's going to be hard to trash them. Because again, we know none of them are going to be the POTUS. The point is, you risk Republicans if you don't mean it's force the vote on a big picture. It's like I used to say in 2020, if you really want us to believe uh, Trump is a threat, then why not get out there and say, we'll give you Medicare for all? How can it be an existential threat, but you won't even talk about Medicare for all? You either don't believe or or whatever. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is calling the orange man bad bluff. And we all know prima facie, the DNC will treat whoever is primarying Biden badly there doesn't need to be any proof of that for god's sake they will yeah. love it that all the positive things with a d by their name will be assumed to be dem and they don't care and then they just cut off whoever they don't want and yet people are thinking oh the dem party talks about those nice things that helps the dem slash dnc it doesn't hurt them at all we won't have to care we're not under their auspices. We've not signed a contract to say. Yeah, I, 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 to- I totally get you, Maggie. This is a little bit of a bigger idea and a bigger conversation, I think, than we have time for tonight, unfortunately. Oh, sure. I'm, I just I'm really sorry. To tell me if I'm an idiot. No, I mean, I think, I think the main issue is that you do, like, you need people who are, were otherwise going to vote for Democrats to want to vote for you. To the extent that this is about having leverage and showing the Democratic Party They're that the they Dem need to Dem move Exeters. left. 
Yeah. I'm wanting you people who would otherwise not vote at all. But if it's the if those if it's those people, Maggie, then it it doesn't really matter to the Democratic Party, right? I understand. So I mean, if if it's not if the goal is not to be president, because it's not someone who actually has ballot access in all the states, right? And if the goal is not to steal votes from Democrats, then it 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 doesn't it, it doesn't really have much in the way of leverage, you know. But the but the Dems think they'll get the Dem exiters. That's what they think. See, this is in the minds of the DNC that's the most important. And this will freak them out because it's never been done. They've never seen where you can't touch us. They're used to like, oh, somebody isn't this quaint. They're going to crawl inside the Venus flytrap. And then from that position, they're going to talk boldly about they'll change the horrible ways of the Venus flytrap as the Venus flytrap close over them and swallows them up. It just looks silly to them. They have, For so long, they have gotten away with doing what they're doing that it is nothing to them. It is actually a positive. It dupes people into thinking that lovely things, nostalgic Dem, comes, is, is, con, is consistent with the Dem party. It no longer is. A good cop is never in your interest. Full stop. That's how the DNC will see it. It's like, oh, we can dupe them. Give them a stick of gum and a glass of water. Ask them how they're feeling and they'll give us. And then they'll just kneecap whoever it is. We already know that. They have the legal right. And so if they're caught on their shenanigans, which is they're uh, trying to make it look like their selection is in line with the public's vote, if they were ever caught on it, you know and I know the response is it's our legal right anyway, no harm, no foul. Now, you could bring something for fraudulent inducement. You made us volunteer, give money, blonso, and you knew it didn't count. There's an angle there, but they've covered themselves for the biggest risk of any lawsuit by retaining the legal right to select and install the Dem POTUS nominee. It does not vest with us. Yeah, well, look, I, I think that we should definitely, and this that is inspiring me to want to do, I'm sorry, Maggie. I'm so sorry, Maggie. I, I do have to run. So I just want to say that I, I, this is inspiring me to do a, um, a episode about writing campaigns and what the logistics of this will be. So I really appreciate you bringing this idea forward. I wish we had more time. I could have gotten to you earlier tonight. And I'm sorry, socialist. I'm not going to be able to get to you, um, but I will definitely I'm prioritize sorry, to you. No, no, it's not, it's not your fault. I just, I got to. This is my thing, and I really just got to I, – I don't have hardly any time to, to hit my, my personal fitness Free, goals for today, you. and I was thank only you. supposed to go for two hours today. So uh, you know me. I can stay here with you guys forever, but I just I, – I cannot. Thank you I for your graciousness. Maybe we no, can I, talk another time off this call. Yes. I, I was hoping, guys, when I brought a bunch of you up at one time that we could have a quick, like, round mm. robin. Much <laughs> like that obviously was Look not how one. that manifested. Sorry, Bye-bye. Case. No, no worries. You guys are great. Um, love you all. I will see you next week and keep the faith. Wish I was a lion in the tall grass. Wish I had a pilot in a podcast. Wish I had a strong donkey that can haul ass and travel with portable speakers playing Boz Scats. Wish I had a million dollars. I wish I had a million albums. I wish I had a million problems. That way I couldn't pinpoint all one million outcomes. I wish I found a genie lamp. I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beanie Man. Yeah. 
I wish I was a comedian Late night sitcom syndicated on TV land I wish this well had water in it These kids are stealing all my pennies Focused on my wealth You can help me wish But I would rather wish for help It's like, it's like I wish, I wish That every time we diving It feels just like this I wish, I wish That every time we do it It feels just like this I wish, I wish, that every time we love and it feels just like this. Like this. Like this. Like this. 